We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. Sorry, what? <laughs> Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault in the news cycle. The people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. He's not talking about me. We're talking about someone no. on TV. No. Um, I'm, I'm Camille Foster. Uh, Mike Moynihan is there talking. Uh, Matt Welch is there talking, and it is uh, Tuesday evening, January twenty third. The primaries are taking place in New Hampshire. Democracy is on the ballot. This is the most consequential election of everyone's lives, as all are. Um, Democracy lost. They voted out democracy tonight. Is that right? Is it over? Is it already over, Matt Welch? Andrew Yang, right? Um, And I I teased this on the uh, prior members only podcast uh, that we taped as recently as yesterday, I yesterday, um, that uh, he sent an, uh, an email saying, like, democracy could, you know, it's it. Tuesday, if Dean Phillips doesn't like smite down Joe Biden and if Nikki Haley loses to Donald Trump, it might be pretty much over for democracy in America. Did, did, he, did he did include that? He, like said, 20, he said Nikki Haley? Right? He said Nikki Haley too, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's okay. out there. He cares mostly about Dean Phillips because he yeah. endorsed him and he swears that Dean Phillips – I love people who in, like endorse people – and yeah. they're like, because I, I saw this last night with David Stockman, the former uh, Reagan budget director. He was at a mm-hmm. Reason event being interviewed by Nick Gillespie. And he's like thrown in with RFK Jr. And he's like, I think I can, uh, you know, I think I can can reach him on uh, the entitlement state and uh, like unrolling back on Social Security. It's like, no. No, you can't. Uh, you can't. No, that's <laughs> that's actually, not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy today is out there at Sirius XM saying like Don- he's going to convince Donald Trump that free speech is the most important thing. And that's how yeah. we're going to get to a Reagan-like landslide be- with Donald Trump fighting for free speech. The best is he was, a, he was attacking the media again yesterday. And he said, this is um, in New Hampshire. I don't know if you saw this, but th- this wasn't a widely uh, quoted or played clip. But he was like, you know, these people, they're lying. They're lying about me. You know, we got to take away their licenses or whatever they have. Like he literally said, like, I don't even know if yeah. that's a thing. License money or something. But like, he wants he wants to take away the license of uh, cable news uh, networks that don't have a license. So Dean Phillips is out there going, um, I think that universal basic income uh, is something worth thinking about. Do I get the endorsement already? Love it out there. But yeah, he said that that democracy on the ballot and the results. Tonight, because everyone called it with like by eight oh three, yeah, when the polls closed is, and we're we're right now it's eight fifty one for you keeping score at home, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's the lag. Um, is that uh, Nikki Haley lost, and uh, so did yeah. uh, Dean Phillips? It wasn't a total blowout, but it doesn't look like it. we don't know. It's a nineteen twenty percent reporting right now, but yeah. small state like New Hampshire, we got a pretty good sense with exit polls. What's what's former happening. fifth column guest uh, Steve the Cornac Cornacki multiple multi many, many time times. guest yeah Steve's yeah great. the khaki genius yes. um, It'd be great to get him back has pointed out that a lot of the late reporting places are rural Trumpy places yeah yeah for so sure. like yeah. Nikki Haley gave her speech which uh, Michael and I at least uh, who are like paying attention to the news. <laughs> As part of our <laughs> job here, um, we're watching the speech. Camille was out in Oakland protesting the In-N-Out Burger closing. He's like, got the first one ever. It's a travesty. Why? California. It's a travesty. It's travesty. Giving it to criminality. Well, what do you want? Do you order off the secret? Of course you order off the secret menu. It's not secret. Everyone knows about yeah, it. It's everyone not secret knows. if everyone knows about it. Yeah. yeah. And I've only been there twice. So Why? have I ordered it animal style? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. Because you told me to. Yeah. 
You animal literally, style, you animal literally style told me is to, Matt. disgusting and stupid. <laughs> and if anyone who's listening to this eats that stuff, you should stop listening now because you're not a friend of this podcast. Don't. It's fucking dumb. <laughs> if they're animal paying subscribers. I'm looking at should, MSNBC yeah. fucking Michael Steele is animal style. Always. You think? Yeah, he's like. That's racist, yeah, actually. What? what? <laughs> that, I that literally just picked the first person that was on the screen, and it happened <laughs> that, to me like this. Sure you right. did. Sure yeah. you did. No, I don't, wow. I don't Those even know people why are animals, racist, but, you said. Oh, that's what I heard saying. you. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what I was implying, mm-hmm. but I don't mm-hmm. know. I guess it, you, you got me. <laughs> I like to do it in a real subtle way. They, um, they got Nikki Haley so far. We're looking at the screen at 43.5%. Yeah. Um, which keeps her in the race. Keeps um, in the race, yeah. I mean, honestly, if she got 23.5%, she'd stay in the race because something might happen to Trump <laughs> and she will come in second. <laughs> the best <laughs> thing is we have this with the subtitles on and it's incredible how banal everything is when you read the subtitles. She's yeah. like, they made their choices in two states. She's won both of them. It's like, <laughs> nice job. I'm glad they're paying you the big bucks. Why are, no, why are you no longer the head of the RNC? Yeah. It's like, I love the, like, misfit former Republicans that are on MSNBC. It's the same thing with the misfit former Democrats that run Fox for years. Mm-hmm. But they took that exact same model of, like, the Fox News Democrat, who is, like, usually more right-wing than most of the, the Republicans. Pat Cadell was, Pat the, was the classic. Was Rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. Pat Cadell was a good power. one. Rest in power. But the, he's come in, Michael uh, Steele to provide the quote-unquote Republican perspective because the panel, <laughs> this is how, I mean, everyone's, God, Rachel Maddow, oh. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm not going to say anything. Uh, You've already anything. said it. I just said Jesus Christ. I was, I was just I thinking of Jesus. Um, the um, panel, and they've discovered, like, <laughs> these are the people that will always talk about, you know, both misinformation and the kind of... Um, atomization of politics in this country, how we just just can't get along anymore. It's so mm. polarized. The panel is uh, Joy Reid, Chris <laughs> Hayes, uh, Stephanie Rule, um, the, that woman there that like, used to date a friend of mine. I can't remember her oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Asian woman. What's her Damn, name? This is... Just edit all of this out. Yeah, well, I'm just <laughs> trying to give you a signifier, something to identify her with. It's not Michael Steele is what I'm talking about. No, she's good. I like her. I forget her name. Yeah, but I mean, they're all in the same kind of... There's one other, too. I can't remember who the other one is. It's probably some other fucking communist. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, he's shaking his head. That's great. It's really fucking great. So, yeah, that's the panel. And that's what you want to hear after Nikki Haley, who's vowing to stay in the race, uh, loses the New Hampshire primary. It's just them talking about how Donald Trump is a threat to them. I mean, don't people get tired of listening to this? Even if they, they believe keep, it, don't they get tired I mean, if they, if they do believe it, though, how come they haven't updated their graphics to indicate as much? I mean, they keep showing this photo of him when I, with the banner beside him that says winner, and he's smiling. And he doesn't look like a threat oh, to I, democracy I think in our, the photo. Our stream, our bootleg stream is probably like an Avengers <laughs> well, or something. Well, Maybe, actually, but, but either way, that's the image that they use on screen. They could use his mugshot. They could decide in the same way that they won't show his speeches in real time, that they're just not going to use photos of this man. They, they may, could decide not even to use his name. There's so much further that they could go if they actually believe the things that they're saying. That's all I'm trying to say. Look at this. Like yeah. how I want to burn that studio down. <laughs> <laughs> Which studio? It's, it's amazing to, to watch this. Rocks. No. I mean, SNL is not funny anymore. Why, that was the only thing that was left in there. Well, the, as the, the guy who does the Trump impersonation now is really good. 
Oh, I haven't, I haven't watched it in no, a long he's, time. No, he's fantastic. He's the same guy who does the Dylan impersonation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he is actually he's pretty tre- tremendous. But they didn't I, hire Shane Gillis. So, but the thing that if you're watching this without the sound <laughs> on is great because I love that the um, subtitle says laughter in brackets and, and <laughs> Michael Steele and Rachel Maddow just laughing it up as as America just is about to become Burns. Mussolini's uh, Italy. Yeah, I I love when they go to commercial. And uh, you still have the Kornacki cam, and he's there just kind of moving around, doing stuff. Yeah, betting on horses. <laughs> people, <laughs> there are people standing beside him. It's the guy. The he's man. just che- checking the racing form. <laughs> I'm not oh, even man. sure they do that anymore. Um, maybe while we're talking, uh, Mr. Moynihan, you should go to Fox because Let's when Trump Fox, yeah. talks, um, they're not going to show it on MSNBC and CNN. Do you think, well, mm. I want to see if they do. Well, that's true. Okay. Because, I mean, they, they were so outraged after the Iowa victory. And they're like, you know, this is the end of – this is the end of democracy, so we're going to shut down <laughs> political speech of the man who is going to win the Republican primary. Yeah. We just can't hear from him because democracy is over. There's what? this weird thing about <laughs> the word democracy. I used to think, like a lot of things, when Camille first showed up, he was saying all this shit. And I was like, oh, come on. I'm not black, whatever. And also, you know, <laughs> like, it's not, what, what did I say? we're not a democracy. We're a republic. Like, oh, come on. All right. Whatever. And he's anti-democracy. True. But the way that people use all of it as democracy, like, you know, Mm -hmm. Trump is a threat to democracy as proven by his victory in this election. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to be able to see it. (laughs) It's the problem. It's so funny when when Hugo Chavez won in 99, he was running in 1999, all his defenders were like, you know, he won a Democrat. It's like, yeah, well, he's, it doesn't matter if he won that. Because now he's (laughs) ruling and shutting down elections. And, and, you know, the, the, the electoral authority, the CNE, he's like stacking it with his cronies. And they were so obsessed with that. Well, he won an election. Donald Trump is like wins and loses elections here and there. And they're like, it's just absolutely over. But I have to say, it's just the Brit Hume is on Fox. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, it's, it's weird because it's a much more sober analysis because I'm seeing the subtitles here where he's talking about, you know, just very basic stuff that, you know, Donald Trump is very strong in the Republican Party. The Republican Party is a minority party in this country, and it's going to lose elections if it can't attract people from outside the party. And that's a conversation to be had. Totally true. 100% true. And you flip over to the other channel, and it's like, we literally were moving to Canada. We're packing <laughs> up our campers right now. I mean, Rachel Maddow and her $35 million salary, which she got because of Donald Trump, by the way. One thing to realize when people are analyzing this election is that um, if it's around, as it is right now, the Trump-Haley fight at 10 percentage points, um, that's different than the last pre-election polls by a lot. There are 20 percentage points, and that's the head-to-head. That's after Ron DeSantis left, Chris Christie left, Vivek Ramaswamy left. Um, So it looked like he was going to go. But those polls were of, as I mentioned on yesterday's thing – those polls were of uh, registered Republican voters or likely yeah. Republican voters. And in New Hampshire, if you're an independent, not registered, you can walk up to the polling booth and say, Correct. yeah, I'm going to do this one. Yeah. Um, and that is on one hand from the Trump point of view, it's like, well, see, you know, the exactly. people like this are going to vote for Nikki Haley. On the other, those people for <laughs> the general election, there's yeah. something to that. If, if it is 10 percentage points instead of 20, um, that's kind of significant. Um, and, it and gives, right now it's eight. As we as we see right now with thirty two percent reporting, 
Right. Um, presume we'll, it'll get a little bit uh, higher than that. Probably. But yeah. it speaks to that. I mean, I, uh, Ramaswamy said tonight, uh, today on SiriusXM, that he foresees a Reagan-style landslide for Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> and that then Donald Trump is going to reunite the country. He's bring the country um, together. Yeah. Like together. never before, perhaps. Um, yeah. Which just shows all you people <laughs> telling me about like what a talented, like super brilliant person Vivek Ramaswamy is. Dude. He's a bootlicker. Come on. That's it. Come I on. Don't, I, right? I, I mean, just, I don't think he smart. means, I don't think he means that. Who but, cares what he means? Yeah. That's what he says. Yeah, he's what he says them, yeah. is a fucking retarded thing. Yeah. <laughs> he said the retard thing. You, that's not I, like, he's smart. If you're smart, do you say I, the retard thing? I disagree with your use of that word. <laughs> Me uh, too. Sorry, retard thing. Retard <laughs> thing. <laughs> deeply offensive. Yeah, um, I don't like this that word. podcast started in 2016, like <laughs> we used that fucking word. No, we well, Yes, we did. We used it as Matt a Welch. suffix. Never. We was like, you know. Uh, <laughs> you did. There was fuck You did. You did. You, did. you were a huge suffix person at the time. You really are. It was always, always you. <laughs> that there, are, not, there are certain words that I support what? you using yeah. and we'll always defend you using. When, so when you're like, I've got to use the N word, but just like <laughs> yeah. not N-word. the R. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. he uses the full word. I, everyone has to have theirs. <laughs> His is that one. Yours is that one. And uh, right. I'm trying to come up with mine now. Yeah, that's right. Um, why don't you do a, why don't you do a, a Nimrata impersonation? No, I can't. It was so, <laughs> you know why I can't? It was so, it was so good. It was so good that I was laughing. We're like, I can't believe I'm this talented. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> when we were doing it at the, uh, at her speech, I was, I was ad-libbing her speech. So is, <laughs> is this of any consequence? I mean, we know Donald Trump has won. Uh, we suspect that Joe Biden will win, but it also doesn't matter. There are no delegates it's at been stake made. in this particular race. Um, no. Biden probably wins there, but it doesn't matter. So we're waiting until South Carolina. Nikki's probably going to stay in and seems that she'll stay in tonight. That could certainly change tomorrow or something. She'll go but, through South Carolina. It's going to be a humiliating loss in her, her home state. So yeah. I will see what you know. She's just that. kind of hoping and praying that lightning strikes or some other disaster befalls Donald Trump and that things go Or maybe go he goes to prison. Him. That's more likely than lightning striking, isn't it? Well, there have to be a reason. Um, which which yeah. case would send him to prison before South Carolina? I don't, who oh. knows? Because every prosecutor is like jacking someone off and like everything is like <laughs> in jeopardy because it's like, bro, we're going to the Caribbean and jacking people off. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this, Fanny? <laughs> although the although that that situation in Georgia, which we've talked a little bit about There's, on the podcast, by the way, now. A, definitely a joke of uh, take a load off Fanny. Load of Fanny, <laughs> yeah. Fanny, be, Fanny be tender. Yeah, my love. Yeah, just the, the embattled district attorney in Georgia, um, who has now been uh, is is in the midst of a bizarre scandal. She hired a gentleman with whom she was having a romantic relationship to serve in a prominent role on the case, but he was supporting the prosecution. I find the claims of some sort of weird bias being exposed a little bit absurd. It seems that the most likely thing that'll happen here is if she's removed from the case, the state has to start over again. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the case would go That's away. At no, that it's, a, point. it's a time buying thing. I mean, it's, it's essentially the equivalent of, you know, um, a case being dropped or something because the wrong paperwork was filed. It doesn't have yeah. anything to do with the actual merits of the case. And, and also but, the Florida case is the one that, that he's yeah. most like he's uh, most exposed open and on. shut. Yeah. The documents, the documents on, yeah. case there. Yeah. 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 My yeah. boxes case. Yeah. yeah. Case. <laughs> like By the way, Ron DeSantis so far getting 32 votes in Nashua. So, uh, to Donald Trump's 52,000, but he's getting, uh, <laughs> no, 557. Sorry. That's the, he'd, be, he'd probably see, do I, a little better if he hadn't dropped out. 
Probably. To be That's fair. That's my guess. Yeah. I want to see what place Vermin Supreme comes in because there's like 21 <laughs> names in the Democratic ballot. Mm -hmm. Vermin, who's a friend of mine, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, sort of. Um, and he always runs for whatever in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. um, and I want him to come in fourth. I yeah. want it to be Biden, Phillips. Um, and Camille, you'd said that the, it doesn't really matter because of Biden. I disagree. It does in that this was Dean Phillips's best chance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they threw a lot of money at it. He hired some of the best brain trust <laughs> mm -hmm. in the history of uh, American uh, politicking. And I'm saying that in a really sarcastic way because it's actually um, some of the worst scumbags um, who've been lurking around 21st century politics. In You're talking about your best friend, Rick, Rick Wilson? And Rick Steve Wilson Schmidt. and Steve Schmidt are yeah. uh, are Rick generational wealth Wilson. Yeah, just yeah. not Rick Wilson. No, not Rick Wilson. Uh, uh, the uh, other guy. Uh, yeah, uh, the other guy. Steve. Rick Wilson is uh, is Lincoln Project. Uh, Tom he, Nichols. Uh, no, he's the guy. The guy from the Lincoln Project who had to be bounced out because oh, of the yeah, sexual yeah, scandals. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. So he's uh, yeah. part of that. That's but what I was saying everyone's jagging each other off. All the time. <laughs> it's like it's the problem of politics. As much as you can, uh, <laughs> and and cashing those checks, but. Uh, so this was the chance, and Joe Biden was a write-in. Like, it's New Hampshire, which allows independents to vote and all this in a way, and Dean Phillips is on the ballot. Joe Biden is not because he's sort of dicked over New Hampshire. He's mad about them having an early state primary. He wanted it to be South Carolina mm -hmm. slash Nevada. So, like, all because, of the conditions— Because the were, blacks are in South Carolina. That's why. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So— um, if the Dean blacks. Phillips can't do it here, then <laughs> that's, that's, what he, that's how he said it. <laughs> primary <laughs> is over. By, but by do you guys see? He probably is, he's, I mean, his brain has gone back to the 1940s. He's probably <laughs> probably the talking Negroes, all about yeah. Now the comments here. <laughs> Have I told you guys about my dad? No, I know about your dad, and I'm sure that <laughs> not about the Negroes. You've already said the R word uh, many times tonight. Let's just leave your dad. Out of this <laughs> self-immolation. Um, before we get to your dad, yeah, I want to say one, one thing, which was yeah. um, Dean Phillips and his uh, chances and the, you know, the number of people who were liberals and Democrats and Trump haters uh, that were just kind of quietly hoping that he'd have a decent showing. There's no chance of that, but um, that he would have a decent showing. The people who are also thinking that are people that are, you know, thinking that Joe Biden might have a chance of winning. And he has a very good chance of winning. And he also has a very good chance of dying. <laughs> okay. These are two things. And what happens then is um, you have uh, the first female president. And uh, in purely uh, American patriarchal fashion, it's by accident. <laughs> but uh, we have a first female president. And people are worried about that. Uh, Camille, I don't know if you have that clip handy. I want you to uh, put on CNN. Mm -hmm. The woman, I can't remember her name. She's been around for ages, that one on CNN. Uh, but the woman from CNN is interviewing Vice President Kamala Harris, and she brings up this issue about how people aren't uh, big fans of hers. She does it in the most spectacular way, and you realize why everybody hates the media. And this is uh, her, this is what she said, and this is um, uh, Kamala Harris's unbelievable response to let me ask you one more question. I, it, I'm struck just in your presence. The I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, mm -hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you were displaying and talking what? about so many issues. So many issues and she yet, talks about. Five, you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden, because of his age, 
is somehow a vote for you. Somehow. And that is hurled as an insult. It's intended to <laughs> demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you. What is your reaction? <laughs> what a question. That with your background in jerks. particular, with your career, with your background, that there is some thought you that As a you are incapable. You're incapable of that amazing career. Well, I, I think that um, most women who have risen in their profession, who are leaders in their profession, have had similar experiences. Mm. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California, and I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. Oh, <laughs> oh no! <the> thank you. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> she just pro she proved the point. Why do they not Journalism. like you? Um, I'm going to give you the most nonsensical, idiotic answer. So I'm going to show you why they don't like me. Just give me a second. It's not about. I'll talk about gender, but it's actually not that. So just hold on while I debase myself. And by the way, is she in a fucking parking garage? She looks yeah. like she's got a, a fucking Tesla charger in, in like a mall. I'm looking for deep throat. She's like I, that is amazing. You know, I'm a lady and that's why they don't like me um the, the self-reflection there is like is it maybe because you suck is it maybe is there a possibility that the awkwardness that comes with any kamala harris speech any kamala harris <laughs> you know interview is something that makes us all cringe in the same way by the way i cringe when george w bush spoke during both of his uh, uh terms and i do the same thing with her and george w bush's last i remember is a Dominican-American and not an African-American, right? He's, he's Puerto Rican, right? Or Dominican? George Bush? Yeah, Something like that. I can't remember, but it's been it's a little brown it's one. That's a, what uh, George H.W. called him, literally. Is that what he called George W.? Uh, no, he called uh, the George P. Oh, yeah, yeah, he that's called, right, because he was, he he's, the yeah, because his mother's uh, Hispanic. Yeah, yes. yeah. Anyway, great, great man, great CIA leader. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. I mean, you get you get asked the question, and it, it's not about your being a woman, obviously. I mean, there's some question about why people think you're, quote, incapable, I think is the word that she used, which she probably should have said is there's a lot of people who think you're incompetent, because that is the actual yeah. argument. Like, she could have talked about her achievements or any number of other things. But she did. She to said your resume is great. But she could have defended her record as vice president and perhaps her running mate, the president of the United States, Correct. his record as president. She didn't say any of those things. She, she proceeded vagina. directly <laughs> to talk about her genitals <laughs> and, and the fact that she imagines most people are angry because she doesn't have testicles. And yes. it's just uh, there's no evidence to support that. Um, actually, In I want to look up to her. She didn't bring polling. up race. This, this is true, and she was she teed was up too for busy that because she yeah, did she say, "And you're with yeah. someone of your background." Background, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about this? And yeah, you're right. So points for not invoking race in that context, um, but negative two points her, for only talking about. By gender. the way, her background this, with uh, Willie Brown. Gotta say this: uh, the vice president of the United States and um, two Republican candidates. And previously in, I guess, was it 2016, very briefly, Bobby Jindal, there is a lot of uh, Indian Americans uh, in it's American a politics. It's a right? breakthrough. Like in the way that uh, the- Kind of a cool country in that sense, The right? 2012 or even 2008, actually 2008 Republican primary where Mitt Romney competed, lost- um, but in that process, that's when uh, Hugh Hewitt wrote like a Mormon in the White House. Oh yeah, that's right. That's a book. book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it yeah. was like, you know, we're not sure about that by 2012. It's like, yeah, okay. But I mean, we're not going to actually have him in or anything yeah, yeah. like that, but he can be the nominee. Um, 
And that all came around the same time as the Book of Mormon and South Park, Correct. like absolutely yeah. roasting Mormons, but yeah. that's part of the process. Like Correct. you have to be initiated in the club. So yeah, um, yeah I think I think the uh, the Indian this is the Indian American election. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was in some internecine inter-Indian fighting between God, they hated each they other. They really hated each other. We yeah. were reminiscing about then together they all hate Kamala Harris, who herself is <laughs> half Indian. Um but yeah, anyway. What's that one little the, the British thing with the two guys, the Indian guys that we can't I'm not gonna talk about that. I'm not gonna talk about my favorite video, my favorite movie since Goodfellas. And I would just say if you want to look it up. You can just look up "fuck you, bloody," fuck you which bloody. is a interaction between <laughs> two Indian men in Indi- in, in England uh, having a, a dispute, and it is very, very funny. Thank you. Have a nice day. Yeah, it's <laughs> the best thing is they scream at each other, and the guy says, "Thank you. Have a nice day." At the end of it, which is like, wow, that's incredible. Um, I don't know how we're going to get this great the, the news from this. Uh, I'm sure we're getting this this fair and balanced, as Fox used to say, turning on MSNBC, and it is a conversation right now between Rachel Maddow. In Jen Psaki. Yeah. So a former <laughs> spokesman for the president. Both wearing turtlenecks. Both wearing turtlenecks um, to hide the hickeys. And both of them. <laughs> and she actually called Donald Trump a dictator today or yesterday. Oh, really? Maddow did, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, so she must be very. How upset. does that One thing does that, work? that, that uh, Dean Phillips said, and I sent this to you guys, um, he went to a Trump rally, right? Um, when he was in New Hampshire mm-hmm. and his remarks about it, I found to be really interesting. They were. Yeah. Um, and part of what he said, uh, he was expressing frustration. He snapped at the guy asking snapped the question. Snapped at a reporter. Yeah, yeah. Um, even, uh, yeah, I think he might've tossed a curse word or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as part of it. He did. Um, and he's like, look, you're asking me these bullshit questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and meanwhile, if I go across the street, everyone in New Hampshire is, is watching Donald Trump. Um, at his thing and he is talking to them but he's also listening to them Mm -hmm. which i thought was a very interesting observation because of course it's true i mean we like to think by we now i mean the people i'm looking at the screen on msnbc like to think that trump is just sort of sitting on on high and like telling people what to think and talking about how he's going to control their lives and i agree with half that critique in probably different ways but whatever um, but what does he do at the rallies? Yeah. He's working out material. I mean, 100%. He, and what do, uh, what does a good comic do? I was watching, um, the interview with your guy, uh, Moynihan that you're uh, Theo Vaughn, his name Theo is Vaughn, Theo yeah. Vaughn in, in Austin when he was talking to Shane Gillis about moving to Austin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Shane Gillis was talking about, you know, it's great to move to Austin now because there's enough comedy clubs so you can do five sets in a yeah, night. Yeah, said that in Nashville. You're yeah. doing the same set five times in a night, but you're working out different emphases mm-hmm. and you're seeing what hits and what doesn't. And in the best reporting that I've seen about Trump on the trail, and I've only seen him once and I was horrified and uh, remain horrified. Um, and so I can't speak to the veracity of it, but people who follow him from place to place will say that he reacts to the audience's reaction to his lines. Yeah. And it's a terrible, you know, calamity probably that That's how the Muslim ban was started. The Muslim ban was started like that, right? Yeah, it was a like, response to some random It's thing a that terrible said, yeah. way to make policy. It's not good. We will say that. <laughs> Absolutely true. But if you're talking about as we talked about at the top of like Donald Trump is bad for democracy. He's out there talking 
to people and he's convincing them to vote for, uh, to vote for him by listening to them and by like in his own sense sort of channeling what he imagines that they want to hear but also he's listening and seeing what lines work and he sure. drops the lines that don't work correct that's fucking democracy it is. i don't like the result at no, all and i don't like him either but you know it, it's funny that the, the team kind of sport of this is that if you watch um if you have msnbc on and you watch, and I'm kind of keeping an eye on this just to see if they actually uh, play Donald Trump's speech. And what they're talking about is really interesting because they're essentially talking about nothing. They're not talking about any uh, issues that matter to voters. They're not talking about the, t- in the exit polls, the two top issues were immigration in, in New Hampshire. Immigration, and keeping in mind that um, Shane Gillis, speaking of Shane Gillis, had a joke that like, his dad was like really concerned about Ill- uh, immigration. He's like, you live in Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> Why do you give a shit? But like now it is actually relevant to so many more places than it was before. And the two big issues are immigration and the economy. And having a conversation about that would be interesting, but they're not interested in that. They're interested in talking about how democracy is over there. And look, I mean, this is the same thing as uh, true of uh, Fox was doing that um, in 2008. Particularly, I mean, the economy is about to unravel and it's, you know, mostly about Jeremiah Wright, mostly about, you know, weird things that people have found in dreams of my father. It's not a specific thing to the left or the right. It's not specific to MSNBC, but MSNBC at that time was more interesting as a network. It is now five people on a panel all saying the same fucking thing. And they're all talking about the mechanics of how somebody wins not about what the issues that they're running are because they don't believe Tom, Donald Trump is a real person. They don't believe he has any ideas. I don't think he has a ton of ideas either. But as you point mm-hmm. out, he knows what to emphasize and people respond to that. So those are essentially ideas. It doesn't matter if he's deeply thought through in all these ideas. It doesn't matter if he's written a book about immigration with, you know, smart analyses of what happens. Which in Jeb life. Bush had done he right had at the time done. of the 2015-16 campaign. In the yeah. exact opposite of where the Republican Party is now, that was the type of book that he wrote, which he was more pro-immigration. And I think that probably, by the way, he would have a different tune if asked about it now because things have changed so much. But this is the thing. You look over and it's like independent voters. Why do they respond to him being a meanie? Why do they like we know he's a baddie. We've been talking about this for eight years. All we do is come to work in our very expensive cars with our very nice drivers and make literally tens of millions of dollars, particularly with Chris Hayes and, and Rachel Maddow, and just opine about the state of democracy Because you have literally no connection to these people out there that are in Laconia, New Hampshire, who say like, you know what, here's the thing I like about Trump. I don't like this and I don't like that, but here's why I'm going to back him. And it has nothing to do with what you guys are talking about. They will talk about immigration. They will talk about, I mean, I went to, um, to, um, CVS in the West village. Now granted things were more expensive in New York city. So that's always keep that in mind. And I couldn't, I, I left because I couldn't get deodorant because it was like yeah, behind seven layers of bulletproof glass yeah. in like one of the Central Park Five. Where it was like, every, like they're like locking people up, yeah. locking things up. And it was, um, this is true. This is 100%. You can go look at this at the one on Sixth Avenue. The, um, the uh, <laughs> one deodorant, it was $12.69. I was like, that seems like a lot. Um, then I went across to the Waverly Diner before I got in the subway, uh, no food at home. I'm like, I'm just going to get a grilled cheese with bacon, fries, in a cup, not a bowl, a cup of soup, and a, and, a, and a soda. 
uh, with tip, it was $34. No. And I, I, I took a picture of the bill. I can show it to you. It's, it's like one of those things where people talk about, and then, you know, what's his name? Like David Brooks. And it, it turns out he had 75 whiskeys. With it too. <laughs> this is an actual accurate, but like these uh, people like this on, t they don't, they don't care about that. And, and again, it's like, I'm not somebody who's counting every penny. I pay attention because I'm not these people. I don't have this incredible salary, but I pay attention it's insane in New York City. Other people live in New York City who are selling, you know, score bars and Reese's peanut butter cups on the subway, which is every in car you're in every, every day. Car, every every day. day. Yeah. And they're all like eight years old. Yeah. <laughs> Literally true. And, you know, uh, this is... Lee Greenwood is beginning to sing. Beats. Donald Trump oh, is on stage. Oh, okay. Vivek right. and Tim Scott are flanking him. So, by the way, this is the exit poll question that, that NBC News, and this is where you get actual stuff about substance exit poll questions. The one that is up on the screen now is if Trump is convicted, is he fit to be president? New Hampshire, 52% say yes. In Iowa, that was 62 or 63. Convicted 65. of what? And <laughs> all, but all that is, is a setup for these bozos to go and talk about the trials and about how horrible it is. They don't care about his criminality. And just Jan 6th truthers. Jan 6th stuff. And like, and you know, that's worthy of discussion. I'm not saying it's not, but that's the only thing they ever talk about. There never any, I mean, that's why Phillips was so interesting when he was like, yeah, the guy's like saying things that people care about. Like and, we should, also we should that, pay attention to that. And also that he worked the line and he's like, yeah. everyone was nice. Yeah. yeah everyone yeah. was nice. And many people came from outside of the usual political system. And the Democrats have absolutely screwed the pooch by not having a conversation with these voters, mm -hmm. um, which is similar to. They're the, all like this, by the way, they keep on saying the same thing. That how nobody wants to attack him. Like, yeah, I know, I know. They're Republicans and they're team players. Haley's attacking him now. Okay. Haley's attacking him now. She attacked him on his speech because she's still in the race. But like, yeah, of course. That doesn't surprise me at all. And I'm not, nobody is going to go, like, nobody went super hard on Biden. I mean, it was and only um, MSNBC showing the speech now, too. Castro, right? That was, he was the only one, right? Yeah. yeah. They said that he's too old. I think he was the only Back one. Back last time. Yeah. Okay, and then MSNBC has pivoted a, to showing the speech. Should we They're showing um, the speech now? <laughs> should we pause this and actually watch it? Let's pause and watch. Sure. Okay. Oh, Rachel Maddow cutting away. Already? Already? Yeah, because he lied. Donald Trump saying said? he won in New Hampshire in the general election. Yeah, she cuts away and says Donald Trump says he won in the general election, and that is not true. Uh, he's just waiting uh, for that. So she cut away. So is there it, it done? Is. Yeah, she's done said, on there. MSNBC? It is. And it's she's, done? They're showing it side by side, but now it's just Rachel Maddow talking. Oh my God. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah, unless she explains this to her viewers, they will believe everything he says, apparently. Of course. It's just preposterous. Yeah. It's We're going to cut away from that. So this he is, is not do. crooked. Yeah. Anytime you lie now, they will just cut you off. Well, apparently. if you're one person, and everybody else can lie all day. Interesting. It's funny talking about people of Donald Trump actually, you know, doing issue stuff. Um, I mean, it is obviously a victory speech, so it's not going to happen. But it is the first 20 minutes right after I'm saying that is him just attacking everyone who ever said anything bad about him. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Sununu is a cokehead. <laughs> you know, Haley's a lightweight idiot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Governor doing a little toot. Yeah. Uh, we're doing, this is back where we are, unfortunately. There we go. Yeah. I don't know what to say okay. about that. <laughs> kind of depressing to be honest he's coming back now and he's like 
Now we're going to talk about the the borders full of Mexicans and Chinese, the, the communists. Who are they? Is he going to have Tim Scott's speech? No, no, no. no Tim Scott's I don't think so. Don't, no, no, no. 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 No, he's he's, he's going to hand him his jacket him. after. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> this is a joke about him, not about me. He's driving him home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is the man. high water mark for Trump in all of 2024. Is my prediction. Yeah. Um, because this is all about the race, and everyone's uh, excited about it. Like you know, we could have it stretch out to South Carolina before the mm-hmm. final humiliation. But of there's whom? no way of that Nikki? he. Of Nikki, yeah, mm. of never Nikki. Mm. Um, uh, there's no way that <laughs> nasty I think Nikki, yeah, he is going to, you know, suddenly start doing better among independents and mm. all of the vast majority of the country who are not members of the Republican Party. I mean, yeah. a very interesting thing that I found out when I was writing a thing last week about no labels, um, and their ideas about stuff is that the net number of uh, people that like some 30 or 31 uh, states register whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or whatever, right? The other ones do not. And of those, um, the number of Democrats is basically the same as it was uh, 16, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's around 45 million. Um, yeah, the switch they're right not, there. They're not playing it on MSNBC. On MSNBC. Yeah. Um, the number of Republicans has gone up. Um, somewhat from around 30 to 35 million and the number of independents has increased by 50%. Um, like it's a, that's an actually large number of people and people who are registered independents vote differently than people who are reliably, uh, in, uh, the two parties. Um, that is a free agency. That's one of the reasons why RFK is polling at 15% mm-hmm. right now. Um, and Donald Trump is not going to get a majority of those people. Um, he might do a little bit better than Joe Biden. He is polling a little bit better right now, but a lot of those polls, if you look into them deeply, a lot of people are still passively consuming the election and they're in denial about Trump winning. Uh, there's a moment that happens in an election when everyone realizes, oh shit, he won yeah. and he's going to be the candidate. And that moment changes the psychology of it so much. It focuses people so much that almost always happens the earliest in the last in my lifetime, and I'm old, the earliest that it's happened is in early March. It could mm-hmm. pretty much be done now or Haley got close enough. We'll see what the final tally is. Uh, maybe it'll be more or less done in South Carolina on February 24th. Um, but then it's over like it's over in the Democratic Party. There's no question about that after tonight. This was Dean Phillips's one chance. And so um, when people realize that and that Trump is actually still that guy. Um, I don't think that he gains popularity because he's got four trials. Everyone's going to go, oh, shit, he really is in it. Like the same kind of like, you know, we're laughing at his jokes because he is reliably funny. um, But there's also a dread. um, You see the words on the screen here. I just see the um, on MSNBC, the the subtitles. I just saw petulant incoherence. Thank you. Um, Thank you for those. uh, Petulant for sure. But I mean, it was fairly coherent what I saw. And uh, I mean, do they ever lose the capacity to be outraged by Donald Trump? I mean, it's it's something that a normal person loses. You're just like, okay, I don't think this is good, but I'm not. I can't be breathless about this on television. But I think I think that like you can actually be more. I mean, they're trying to win something. That's not what I like. You can be more outraged about Donald Trump. I think if you're focused about it 
and actually pointed to the things that he says and does and advocates and has the possibility to do in a disciplined manner, um, you can get to a level that's actually a, a lot more outrage than what they are doing. Um, people are reacting to adjectives. They're reacting to language. It's a. It's not uh, connected to how that's going to affect a human being's I life. Just, I just think that it's, I, I would feel so um, ashamed if I was making the amount of money that these people make by saying literally, on that, lit you? but you know, it, it, it's, it's <laughs> honestly, it's insane to me this is a lot that of money. few, fewer people watch. I mean, this is a loss leader for, for, for NBC. I mean, there's no leader, but it's a loss. Fewer people are watching um, MSNBC than our, you know, average fucking YouTuber out there that has a decent audience, you know, it's a 300,000 people watching this stuff. And I think one of the reasons for that is that the, the, the constant capacity for endless outrage, boundless outrage. They have said the exact same thing for eight years. It's like, I'm looking at these, it's exactly what they always it's say. Cope. It's the exact same fucking thing. That is the thing that when you would say, and people say to me like, you know, oh, you were a friend of and, and loved Christopher Hitchens. And well, he was wrong about X or Y. You know, that's fine. But the interesting thing is when people say about Hitchens, like, I wonder what he would make of Trump as a political candidate. I wonder what he would make of this environment now at the universities. That is not a question you ever ask about Rachel Maddow. You know exactly what she's going to think for the next 40 years. And you get an enormous amount of money for it. This is, she should be afraid of AI. You could have a very, very little program and create her in a hologram for the next hundred years. It's like, there's nothing interesting. Like, oh, Bill Buckley decided that he was fine with drug legalization. He was okay with gay people. He turned his back on the Iraq war. Like all these people that have had their interesting thinkers that had various, you know, schisms with their own movement and party and various evolutions within their life. There's no evolution of this stuff. It's the same fucking wind up robots saying the same fucking thing. Is that true of Fox News? Yes, but there's an entire industry of people talking about this Robert Greenwald movies and, uh, you know, it, participant it, media, participant media. It, it gave it gave The Daily Show and Jon Stewart a, a, a second career. That is it's Jimmy Kimmel every fucking night. It's like, yeah, we know that. My problem is, why don't you point out the same thing about this? Oh, because you're not actually interested in comedy. You're not actually interested in good, interesting television. They really are interested in winning. They, this is really, really existential to them because when you say it this much, you have to start believing it. You have to start believing, and it doesn't matter. Like I remember there was a doomsday cult that was advertising on the on the subway on the L train like ten years ago, and it was like January twenty second. It's all fucking going down. Be prepared. Call this number. Go to this website. And then the 23rd, I'm, you know, trundling along on the L train going to work. And I was like, what are these guys doing today? Well, they always have another excuse, right? They have nothing like, oh yeah, we read that slightly wrong. It's like Yuri Geller when, when um, Johnny Carson replaced his spoons because he knew the trick. And he's like, yeah, the energy in here is bad. They do this every fucking day. 2017, the Russians control America. We're done. We are a vassal state of, of the Kremlin. That turned out not to be true, right? By, by a lot, Donald Trump is M Mussolini, you know, the second coming of Mussolini. He's going to do whatever he can. <clears throat> so January 6th happens. He lies about the election, et cetera. Ah, oh, that's our evidence. That's our evidence. But he goes away. And now he's back running an election. And it's just the, all of their predictions end up <clears throat> not coming true. It doesn't mean 
that there isn't some truth to the fact that the guy's a scumbag, which is which is undeniably well, true. So let's also think that Bill Maher, for example, um, before the 2020 election, and we might have even mocked him on this uh, podcast, I don't remember, um, was saying, like, he's not going to leave office. He's not going to stand down um, if he loses the election. And sure. I, I do remember us um, poo-pooing people who are constantly asking that question. Yeah. It turned out to be the right question or a right question. There's other questions to mm -hmm. ask, but it was a question worth asking because he didn't. But it was stand an easy down. question to ask. And the reason it was an easy question to ask because Steve Bannon was saying this for months. He's not going to accept uh, a defeat. And it's because and it was it was not like, oh my god, I see the incipient fascism in 2014, 15, 16. And this is it's it's full kind of flowering. It's because Donald Trump cannot lose anything. I mean, he, right, but like, he wins an election in 2016 and he argues about, the, he, I won more votes. But doesn't There's that not, justify people who are hammering home and who are like outraged at sure. that as being a thing? I'm just saying, it's just not pressure. It's not pressure. Yeah, to, to some degree. I, I think if, if we actually just think back to what, it, what was actually happening um, in the last election, I think it was shortly before um, November that Hillary Clinton was asked a question uh, about the race and said that she had advised Joe Biden not to concede yes. under any circumstances. And, and she's literally if, said if under she lost. any circumstances. I yeah. mean, right. that, that is, that is, is where that we were. Is that directly comparable to no, what I'm Donald not, Trump did for I'm not for saying it's. I'm not saying months. it's comparable. I'm not saying it's comparable. It's it's literally impossible for us to know like how Joe Biden would have played it. I can't. I can't imagine him doing it in exactly yeah. the same way that Donald Trump would have, but I do imagine that it would have gone on for some time, that there would not have been a concession right away. In fact, I, I have to imagine that in general, our politics would be in a very bizarre place right now um, and would have gone to a very dark place had Donald Trump actually won the election rather than lost it. Um, so it's, it's again, I, I would agree that it's not, it's not terribly prescient um, to say, you know, he, he wouldn't have left. Um, did he do dastardly things afterwards? Undoubtedly. Did he lead an insurrection? I think that's uh, a pretty profound overstatement given what we actually saw. But the real question now is what's likely to happen um, if he wins uh, th this time around? Um, and I'm not exactly sure. I have no idea what we're looking at from a policy standpoint. Um, the Republican Party seems to be kind of falling in line behind the guy. Um, but there's a hell of a lot of time between now and November any number of things could happen, but it is, it's just, it's so bizarre that this, that this is the version of Groundhog Day that we're all living in. That, yeah. That I mean, we're, I, I, we're going to do all of this all over again. The thing of Donald Trump, you know, when he makes the joke, right. And, you know, and I hate having to battle the fucking idiots on CNN and MSNBC about this, because then you end up coming out thinking like, I really love this guy and I, everything he says is true and that's not what I think at all in any way. And we, I have eight years of a record of saying the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is these people have eight years of a record of overstating almost oh, everything yep. that is bad, that is, you can acknowledge that it's terrible. And the thing about um, 2020, and you do have to acknowledge that Donald Trump did leave office. They packed up the stuff and walked out, right? They tried to not do that. And they um, didn't work very hard at it, by the way. Because it was the most chaotic scheme that involved the dumbest people he could possibly find. <laughs> the most retarded lawyers, 
Uh, oh, no, that, that word's fine now. He, no, I was quoting you. That, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, one, yeah. no one can actually see this because it's not on video that I did air quotes and pointed at you. <laughs> literally pointed at you and said, quote, unquote, retarded. That's what you say. Um, did that with like Rudy Giuliani, who's like sweating oh oil in front of a fucking the four like, seasons a, a lawn, landscaping you know, so It's like this is your fucking poo. Jesus, oh my Christ. god! That is it? Oh, well, he's just dripping bad from it. his face, and now he's going to be better. It's like, well, wow. no. When you serve the second term, there aren't e even any fake things that you can do to justify staying for a third term. There's mm. no fake things. This one you had all these, well, I, I can challenge this and I can challenge, you can't challenge it again because you can't run again. So what would the thing to be, what would he possibly do? It's all, and, and he's also going to be 878 years old at the end of a second term. Is it, I, I think the better argument is if you think that the MAGA version of conservatism is a problem for America, which I think it is. And notice that Vivek comes on stage has a minute and he denounces um, spending cuts. Incredible. Yeah. Just, mm -hmm. He's like, they're going to, like, Nikki Haley wants to rein in the spending on Social Security. How dare her. How dare yeah. her. Yeah. You yeah. just went against, you know, what, 50 years of like Republican, mainstream Republican talking point that is a talking point because, you know, doesn't mean that they actually did anything about it, which of course they didn't. And also his hero uh, professed uh, up until Trump was uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. They all say that. Extend, mm -hmm. but like he, serious about it and like has talked about it at great length extended the social security recipient age which yes. is yeah. for those people it's like that's and the obviously worst his immigration ever do and his immigration stuff is probably not they're not big fans of the quote unquote amnesty uh yeah i just i think that this of you know by the way if you look over at cnn now and i've looked at a couple of the subtitles with chris wallace on he is actually talking about politics in a smart way and interesting way one shocking. of the things that that uh, I, I, I sarcastically say shocking. I, I uh, would expect one of the things about that, that people have pointed out, and I think they're yeah. they're accurate about this is that Donald Trump has talked more about policy than Nikki Haley. Yeah, um, for sure. Nikki Haley yeah. talks about policy in defense of her last, uh, like last night when she was um, in New Hampshire, sealing the deal. Um, like her final quotes in her appearance was like, "I am not a warmonger." That's the last thing in the world that I want to do is to be a warmonger, which is not really a great closing off <laughs> no, argument. Uh, yeah. I'm refuting what they're saying that's about a, That's a fucking mm -hmm. Christine O'Donnell moment. I'm it's, not a witch. It's not <laughs> that is a unbelievable yeah. place to be. Yeah. But like her selling proposition, uh, particularly because she has, you know, in the Republican primary, as Ron DeSantis learned to his death, um, you can't really run against Trump. If you really run against Trump, you're Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so yeah. you have to sort of half run against Trump. Now she finally has a one-on-one -on -one matchup and can potentially imagine out of New Hampshire that she can actually go with him. She's sort of throwing punches now, mm -hmm. finally, a little bit. Uh, but in that whole process, Trump has been talking more about or referring to, let's say, referring to policies or at least issues in a sense, more than she has. She's very mm -hmm. reactive. If you watch her on uh, mm -hmm. CNN, on a town hall and stuff, I find it very frustrating. Um, uh, tell me what that says. I know, th 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 Fox News um, has up on the screen exit poll question, the percentage saying Trump did nothing wrong when it comes to January, January 6th, 46%. Yeah. 2020 election interference, 43%. Classified docs, 37% say he did nothing wrong. That's very low. That's mm. interesting. That's low. interestingly That's low. interesting. Yeah. Low. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this is New Hampshire Republicans 
concerned Trump is too extreme to win the general? 49% yes, 50% no. That is not a good question to be 50-50 on. Nope. Nope. With registered Republicans that 50-50 that he's too extreme to win. You would think um, that, that people amazing. like that would be looking for an alternative candidate. But as I, as I said before, I, my suspicion here is that a lot of these folks are just resigned to the fact that Trump is Correct. almost certainly their nominee. And at this point, you know, why, why bother coming out for Nikki? Um, and you yeah. certainly don't want to cast a ballot for a loser. Um, I got an alternative <clears throat> explanation. Uh, oh, tell I'm me. I'm just going to work it out here yeah. for a second, which is that um, – Republican voters are not tired of losing. They're not They're tired, not of, losing. tired of losing. Okay. They're not tired of losing, which is to say, like, if you are a loser, you get to nurse your wounds. Mm-hmm. You get to be the opposition. You get to be like, they conspired against me. Mm-hmm. Um, they stacked the deck. There's a deep state. They did this, they did that. The media's in the tank, and these people are in the tank. Like, it's actually kind of a great place to be in the... I don't actually have responsibility mm-hmm. opposition. It's more fun. Ask fucking congressional Republicans. What's more fun? Hmm. Is it more fun when you've got like the one seat advantage or when you have the one seat not advantage? Correct. Yeah. It is much more fun on the other. They can't like figure out how to like, the, run them. The weird thing that I wonder if they'll learn from this, and I don't think they'll learn anything from this. But if Donald Trump loses the general election, then you have him losing in 2020, which he protected himself against by convincing people that he didn't actually lose, of course. So you can't actually have a conversation with people about, well, he lost the last election because they just say he didn't. Which um, is a majority of Republican a majority, voters. A majority of Republican which, voters at this like, point. Which is ter- if you're a Republican voter actually, out yeah. there yeah. listening to this podcast, I know we have some, and you think that's what happened. Yeah, you might I got some dig, bad dig news a little deeper about the on future that for you. So yeah. you have that. Then you have the absolute wipeout in 2022 at the midterms, all very, very MAGA candidates, extremely MAGA candidates, and to a, to a point that like these are the kind of knee plus ultra MAGA candidates because they can't really put together a coherent thought. They're not really Republicans in the sense that Donald Trump isn't, Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, et cetera. And they get wiped out. So then you have Except another Except for loss. J.D. Vance. Except for J.D. Vance. And that is an interesting one that I think is something kind of separate in a way. But they get, they all get wiped out, uh, Blake Masters, et cetera. And then if you lose again in 2024, is there going to be a moment of reckoning? Because here's the thing that I keep on thinking about this. Everybody talks about abortion in the really interesting way that, oh my God, this is the most obvious thing. Um, Roe v. Wade's overturned. Donald Trump takes his victory lap and says, that's me, the man who probably paid for more abortions than any other person on that presidential debate stage or either of them combined. He is like, this is me, this is me, this is why you, as um, religious conservatives, should vote for me and back me up. And then nobody wants to talk about it uh, because they get wiped out in all these surprising places like Kansas, Missouri, Missouri, I think Kentucky too, a few other places. Um, And so only person who talks about the Republican side is Nikki. Nikki. And she says, we've gone too far on this. On the other side, so I think they're wrong about this in the way they're handling it. And I think the Democrats are wrong about it because every time, like like Kamala Harris had an event last night at, you know, Emily's List or whatever it was. I don't even know if that's true, but it was all about abortion. And they think it's all in on, they totally misunderstand Americans on this. Americans are like, you know, okay with the 15 week, like a sort of European thing. They're totally fine. They think it's crazy, the rape and incest stuff. This is, opinion polls show this. The heartbeat bill, 
was made Ron DeSantis six weeks, made him the the kind of religious conservative, the Christian conservative, the Mike Huckabee candidate who always lose every time. Rick Santorum, Mike Huckabee, all the way down the line. Uh, even Ted Cruz, who tried that a little bit. It's not popular in the general. And so you have these people on one side. Like if we just keep talking about abortion constantly and how retrograde Republicans are, it's going to help us. I don't think that's true. I don't think if that is the drumbeat, I think people don't love talking about that subject. But if it comes to their state, and they say, well, this is being unreasonable. They'll vote against it if they're kind of moderate Republicans, if they're moderates, if they're unaffiliated voters. And on the other side, they think it, Republicans seem to be thinking that this is the one culture issue that they lose on. I don't think that that's true. I think America has trended more liberal on the sense that, for instance, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, for fuck's sake, in 2028 was opposed to gay marriage. Yeah. Barack Obama was opposed to gay marriage. And legalizing mm -hmm. marijuana. If I said publicly that I was opposed to gay marriage in 2020, uh, 2008, 2007, 2008, mm. and that was made public when I was trying to get a job, I wouldn't get the job. People would <laughs> trust me. Barack who, Obama. Who was the person that that's made fine. it cool again? Joe Biden. For, oh, I thought he was going to say Biden. Freddie Well, Mercury. I mean. Uh, Joe Biden <laughs> made gay marriage cool yeah, for yeah. a Democrat yes. elected official to say. But that has changed so quickly that no Republican would try to be the Gary Bauer, the Ralph Reed, the, the Pat Robertson to say, um, okay, we did abortion. Now we have to do the gay marriage stuff. Well, no one's they, do they, may say it in, no. they may say it in their emails or something. Yeah, but they're not going to do it. They know, they know they're not going to yeah. win a general election in this country doing that. And so I think Republicans, when it comes to 2028, when it comes to the midterms in 2026, if they lose the general, if they lose the general, they're going to have to retool in a way that this is a rebuilding year for a baseball team in the sense that they're going to be so resistant to it because the MAGA NatCon crowd is dug their heels and they say, we won. We have everyone in this election saying anybody who says, you know, I'll defend Ukraine, I want to support Israel, just being shouted down as a neocon, right? As a warmonger, so much so that Nikki Haley has to address it in a sort of tedious way and actually sort of an embarrassing way. Okay, where are you in if Donald Trump loses in the next election? That whole thing of like national conservatism is the future of the Republican Party, has been being, being proven at every step of the way to not be true. Yeah. And I don't know what they're going to do when, if they lose. Say they stole it again, I guess. I, I think people have been retconning, like trying to affix some ideology onto Trump. Yeah. Because they see that Trump has power and he has popularity. And so if we can sort of like change, I mean, Kevin Roberts from Heritage Foundation had a tweet, um, uh, I think on Monday morning, Basically saying like, you know, Ron DeSantis, he ran a hell of a campaign, but the leader of our movement is Donald Trump. Yeah. And that's why we all have to rally around him. It's Americans like, generally don't want a movement. Don't want a movement. No. Don't want generally. to rally around. Don't want a coronation. Like all that. P political no. people do. People who live in Washington do. People who live in the local Republican Party in any state do. And that's just not the fucking majority of the people who no. vote or live, no. for fuck's sake. Um, no, it's not at all. And they, all of these efforts to try to like, uh, I'm going to make Trumpism be this. <laughs> um, I predict failure for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely everybody. Like I, I will, you know, Virak Ramaswamy uh, today was again saying that 
Trumpism is going to mean free speech. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> it's it's not what Trumpism <laughs> is going to mean. I saw other people in the uh, kind of anti-war crowd, and I know I'm irritating at least a couple of our listeners here uh, from this, but saying that like because Vivek has endorsed Trump mm-hmm. – that maybe because Vivek has said that he would uh, pardon Edward Snowden. <laughs> the way you pronounce one. his name, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> Vavik, Vivek, Vivek, <laughs> Because he said that during the campaign, that maybe he will convince Trump to pardon Edward Snowden and Julian Assange. And it's like if they were rappers, he'd do it in a second. <laughs> the dude was a president like yeah. for four years. Like yeah, people time. tend to forget that he's already been president, which is the funniest part about all of it. It's like, you know, it's like this country, you know, we need somebody who's gonna really take the bull by the horns. It's like you do realize that he already has been president. And he had the opportunity to do a bunch of things that he didn't do. You know, one of the interesting things to me was um October seventh happened in Israel. And do Americans care about that less so now than they would have 10 years ago? Because they would have connected that to 9-11 10 years ago. They would have mm-hmm. connected Afghanistan and Iraq 10 years ago. This is the same enemy, the brutal enemy that, it, that we're, is going to blow us up at any point. But there was an opportunity because conservative media in particular was flooded with images of radical nutcases um, supporting Houthis and supporting you know Hamas, defending and making excuses for us and blocking bridges and making sure you couldn't get to the airport. And Donald Trump's response initially was, Bibi was mean to me. You know, he didn't listen to me. He should have listened to me. And, you know, Bibi, I tried to make a deal and he, he wasn't there for the deal, which by the way, for people who were involved in that in on the Trump side said that wasn't true. That was just completely made up. Nobody attacked that. Nobody said our oldest ally, um, the outpost of democracy. I'm just using the language that people use when they talk about this stuff. The oh, only outpost of democracy. not oldest, but like in the region. Yeah, but in the region is yeah. the, the, the only outpost of democracy in the region. This is how people have talked for years. Um, needs our support. There are Americans being held hostage and Donald Trump is complaining that Bibi was mean to him. And this is the president you're going to get for foreign policy. Instead of saying that, you have neocon and she wants to g- give war, give uh, Vivek tonight, gives money to a kleptocrat in Ukraine. It's like, that is so fucking stupid. And I understand that there are Republicans and conservatives out there that don't want to give any money to Ukraine. Okay, fine. Why do you have to do the thing? Why can't you break up with somebody and not say that bitch is crazy to the whole time and just make shit up to make you look good on the way out the door? Literally, Zelensky and the government in Kiev is in the middle of an ammunition shortage right now that's actually really affecting them or getting stuff from European powers. That's what they're concerned with. They're concerned with their survival. They're not concerned about, you know, lining their pockets in, um, are there people in Ukraine? It's the most corrupt country in the region for many, many years after the fall of the Soviet Union, which I blame on communism and not on, you know, uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump. But the fact that that didn't come at all, uh, come at all is because of this retooling by a bunch of shithead uh, natcons who are like, let's just call everyone a neocon and talk about how America has no role in anything in the world. And as we've said in this podcast, or I've said in this podcast, I don't want to attribute this, this to you guys, that Donald Trump in any situation would um, do something very similar. I do not believe that Donald Trump would have left Ukraine totally twisting in the wind. I don't think he'd do the same thing to Israel. 
particularly the way he treated Israel, moving the embassy to, I mean, all of the people who read the gray zone could say the same fucking thing about why everyone has said they'll do it. No president has, but it's a provocation. He did it anyway. I think that Trump would have a materially different uh, attitude towards Ukraine or at least towards issues possibly. that involve Ukraine possibly than Joe Biden would. It's possible. Um, and but like, all fucking Zelensky would have to do would be like, you are the best. And he'd be like, I'm giving you everything, everything you ever needed. You know, it's worth thinking about, yeah. right? Like yeah. It's worth thinking about is the Donald Trump version better? Yeah. Uh, is the Nikki Haley version better? Is the Joe Biden version better? I tend to think that um, I've been persuaded from the beginning that the um, Moynihan um, idea of like, if your friend, someone that you like or someone that you root for is being uh, invaded in their home, um, that you might hand them a gun. Yeah. Like, I get that. Um, and that makes. Uh, and don't, like, don't go shooting that gun yourself. That's not. Intuitive yeah. sense to me. And actually Nikki Haley has in her defenses of her being a warmonger. She has a rap about this. I don't agree with all of it, but I, I understand the sense of it, which is that um, giving Ukraine money is actually not at all um, uh, a warmongering thing. It is a way hmm. to prevent future conflicts. And in her telling, and I don't think this is necessarily true, that um, if we do that there and they blunt, like Russia has been degraded to a, to a staggering extent staggering in this process. Extent, yeah. Um, um, not that the point of helping Ukraine is to blunt Russia. Uh, but it's the point sort of, of is though. The, no, the point of, of helping Ukraine is to prevent a nuclear armed, yeah. uh, like aggressor country to be able to swallow territory for yeah. Uh, uh, Both of the things can uh, be true though. Just to be of yeah, a smaller yeah, yeah, country yeah. who whose like borders and nuclear weapons were adjudicated or negotiated with the Americans fingerprints all over it. Right. Like, like you don't necessarily want to have that, um, uh, the idea of sovereignty totally blown up. Um, and the idea of sovereignty that's sort of backed by American and British words in 1994 to be thrown out the window. That's a bad look. It, like it would be bad for the industry. There's a lot order. of bad precedents there that w would happen. But, you know, if they're so convinced that the American people are opposed to having American arms manufacturers sell, give, um, you know, particularly from a left-wing standpoint, this is an incredible thing to do to make jobs. This is the Keynesian way to it, right? You just create jobs by Which by creating, too many Republicans create, repeat. Uh, by of the way, course yeah. they do. Of course they do. But if 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 that were something that so turned off American voters, turned off Republican voters, why is it necessary for Vivek Ramaswamy to lie about it every time? I mean, not just. I mean, it is a devious, filthy disgusting, stupid lie. It's the thing that made me hate him more than anything was to go up there and say, you know, Joe Biden, Nikki Haley, there's whoever, there's no daylight between them. They want to send your boys to die in the frozen tundra this winter of Ukraine in a war that is not our war. That is not only false, it's idiotically false. It's the opposite of what she claims. In, it, yes. In also, true, but it would just never, ever happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, Every Republican, one would assume, has learned the lessons of Iraq and Afghanistan, which is not that 
we should go willy-nilly into two wars at the same time in places that just every problem is intractable. I don't think that that's the lesson that people learn from this. Are there people? Yes. And they become Democrats, like Bill Crystal. <laughs> there are probably people that want to do that. I'm not one of them. But, you know, this sense that, you know, we have to stop, because the question I always ask these people, it's very pat. It's very sort of, you know, sort of blithe responses that this is what you do when you have this ideology, this and that con kind of ideology. Well, I, it's kind of what I ask people when they say um, the fight for 15, the fight for 20 for minimum wage. When does it stop? I can imagine I can get you to say $100 minimum wage. You'd say, well, actually, that will have an effect on the economy. Someone's going to turn at one point. The Putin, Russia, any other country version of this, you let this happen in Georgia. You let this happen in the Luhansk, Donetsk, uh, the, the 2014. Moldova. You let it happen in Moldova. You let it happen if no supplies are available and the Russians take Kiev in uh, 2022, um, which they say, oh, that was, not, was never his intention. It absolutely was intention. But, um, and you let that happen. What, at what point it, do you actually say we have to do something about this? as a country that has been involved in all of these borders disputes since before 1945, since 1917, but from 1945 on, we've been involved in all of these things and we just cash out all our chips. What happens, and I know what a lot of these people would say, if, if Vladimir Putin says in a, in a way that he could absolutely make sense to himself and to his constituents, um, that Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia are part of the Russian empire and it was carved up in 1991 with the connivance of Western governments, and you get that nationalist thing, and you say, we're just going to take this one back. Let's say, just take this one. Is there a point at which you have to stop this and say, well, we don't have to intervene ourselves because there's plenty of people in that area of the world that are willing to fight, but we're willing to give them some money to do so. I'm, you know, I'm going to give the homeless guy a little, get a sandwich, get a Kalashnikov, get some shells, get, you know, take an F-16 or something. Fact, Is there a point where Trump that happens? doesn't like NATO. He, he thinks that we should disband it. Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy has said very explicitly, NATO should stop. Yeah. So my question for all of those people, and I'm going to say this in a spirit of, of generosity, mm -hmm. is what replaces that? What replaces collective security guarantees? Yeah. All right. Let's imagine a world in which there's none of those. Yeah. Then what happens the next day? Seriously, what happens the next day? Every other what, country what do you in the world does it. I mean, yeah. what, what do you think happens the next day? I think that there will be uh, invasions the next day. Um, in um, uh, you think Russia would would invade various places? Moldova the next day. the next the next morning, huh? The next morning, absolutely. There's yeah. no fucking way that Russia doesn't like subsume Moldova right away. Is it irrational that? Countries that have made a point is kind of an almost foundational point of the modern state of Sweden that it didn't join NATO, that it rushed to do so with the approval of over 50% of the people in Sweden. And the same thing was true in Finland. There, are we going to sit here, um, you know, what, 4,000, 5,000 miles away and say that that's irrational? We, we know better than the Finns, the Finns who have been invaded by the Soviets in 1939 in yeah, a brutal we don't think winter war. No, we the people no, who we criticize NATO in this country no. do not think of NATO as a place that other countries exist. They think yeah. of it as an American-led directive. Mm -hmm. and this is a fatal flaw. 
The well, people, the countries that wanted to join NATO after the collapse of communism were countries that were looking for a collective security guarantee because they lived in the, in the middle of Europe. And if you live in the middle of Europe, there's this big one over here yeah. and there's this big one over there. And they both fucking suck and yeah. they're going to destroy you. Uh, periodically. And there might even be another one over there in the south, southeast, that might come up too. Um, and so people don't have, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but like if you are a, like a George Kennan late in life character, right? He was very against NATO expansion. He was very for the um, the agreements with, with Ukraine in 1994. Like um, which is to say that Ukraine agreed to give up all of its nuclear weapons um, in return for something that felt like to them some kind of security guarantee. It wasn't totally up on that level, but it was close to it by the Brits and the Americans that the Soviet Union or Russia, the, pre, the, the, the successor to the Soviet Union, wouldn't fuck with them. Um, and so, like, if that's what you want, if you don't like multilateralism – then you should like these kind of like little deals. And then you should be so hypersensitized to when those little deals are then absolutely violated by the signatories, which they were by Russia in this case. And the reaction among people, uh, a lot of people were like, well, that's obviously America's fault. Um, oh, that's and that's, the, just that's, the so that's the response fucking, to everything. That's, that's Camille, not, yeah. can I can I ask you uh, to play something? Um, it, it just because uh, you know you sent this clip earlier, and I saw it all over the internet tonight. And this is oh, some yeah. British woman who is like a model slash a doctor or something. I don't know who she is, but um, <laughs> she uh, is on a show with Bill Browder, actually the um, the uh, anti Russian. A uh, uh, guy who has uh, been sanctioned by Putin, who's actually, by the way, interesting. His grandfather was Earl Browder, the head of the, the American Communist Party, and that's what oh. people don't realize about about Bill Browder, the the venture capitalist billionaire, is the the grandson of the the uh, president, the head, not the president of um, the American Communist Party. But he's on this panel with her, and you know there are alliances in the world. America should have no alliances, should never b guarantee or promise anyone anything. But throughout the world, that the bad guys do have those alliances. And one of those alliances is, of course, the handmaidens of Iran, which is Hezbollah in, in Lebanon, which is a version of Hezbollah in Iraq. Um, in, there's a version of Hezbollah in Iraq and Syria. Uh, obviously, Hamas in Gaza and the Houthis in Yemen. The Houthis are one of the most repulsive um, organizations, as you could probably imagine, who's been fighting a civil war. And, um, but America... Uh, it took him a little bit to do this, um, started protecting his own shipping, international shipping, which it's been doing since the 1850s, 1860s, 1820s, actually, probably before that, but Jefferson's time. And uh, America's done this again because the Houthis have decided to disrupt international shipping, which has caused uh, an enormous tumult within the world of trade because an enormous percentage, I think it's 15 or 16 percent, go through the Red Sea. So a lot of these uh, um, container ships are now to not be boarded, attacked, shot at, um, are going uh, south uh, down to the Horn of Africa, which it adds a lot of time and adds a lot of cost. And this is global supply, which means the cost is passed on to the consumer. That creates little inflationary ripples in various places. 
and beyond the fact that one shouldn't allow a seventh uh, century cult of Islamist weirdos to dominate a major major global waterway because they pretend that they're mad about Gaza. So the British, the Americans, in conjunction, by the way, with with Arab uh, states, and this has been in nineteen in, in two thousand fourteen when there was another uh, coalition. It was all Arab states. The Americans were helping coordinate it. But it was every Arab state, with the exception, obviously, of Syria and and um, Iran and, you know, the, no Palestinians were, were involved in this. But it was to fight back against the Houthis. This is a, a, a conflict that apparently everyone knows everything about now. So this is a woman who was on a show in the UK with Bill Browder making this argument. Francois, I mean, there are many who are saying that, frankly, the Biden administration should have acted sooner and faster, that hundreds of billions of dollars uh, has been put at risk because the Houthis have held uh, this area in the Red Sea um, at ransom. Sorry, so just let me get this straight, Yelda. So we are bombing the poorest, one of the poorest countries in the world that has been under a humanitarian blockade. There has been famine. These people have been decimated and we are bombing them because a couple of guys in dinghies in support for the Palestinians who are having a genocide committed against them. They're objecting to that and we're bombing them. Come on now. I mean, well, this is just an insane world for us to even think. I'm so sorry your Amazon packages are delayed. I really am. Like, I wish mine came on time. But, you know, Hilarious genocide, joke. guys, genocide. There are uh, two genocide, mothers a day yeah. dying in Gaza right now. It's 109 days into a conflict in which a humanitarian crisis has been declared to the world day but by in, the way, day out. By the way, Dr. Francois, there are many who are Yemen watchers who, are, who monitor and follow the Houthis who say this is doing wonders for their branding, actually. Mm -hmm. That it isn't up. just the Palestinian wow. cause that they're focused on. So call a ceasefire now and end the positive branding. If you want to stop the Houthis doing what they're doing, then call a ceasefire right now. The Houthis would, would stop doing what they're doing. If they have literally said that that's why they're doing what they're doing. They have not previously blocked those routes not for any other reason except this one. So yes, I do. And I also think the West needs to start to understand that you can't just go around playing cowboys in the world. There are consequences Who's to your cowboys? actions. You cannot just go around <laughs> bombing people's countries, ignoring international law and expect no repercussions. For every cause, there is a consequence. And just because you don't like a couple of guys trying to resist, I mean, the These fact are that this is now prescribed terrorists. Uh, sure, the according to Western governments, well, they are yeah, well, according to the Yemeni yeah. people, yeah, they've which is the Saudi-backed government, yeah. which is That's essentially Saudi our. Yeah. But but yeah. the Yemenis who live, uh, you know, under Houthi rule, talk mm -hmm. about the fact that this group continues uh, to terrorize them as well. Yeah, That's that, it. I'm no fan of the Houthis, <laughs> oh, apart yeah. from when they're blockading <laughs> in favor of a ceasefire, which should have been called a long time ago. Fifty-five thousand people are dead in Gaza right now. There are over 60,000 people injured with no access to food, water, aid. How dare we have a conversation about trade when there are children right now being treated without anesthetic? Well, there are things idiot. that require us to but make they some do, right, You can cut that now. 
This is where we are. This is one of the things that um, drives me absolutely crazy because I see so much of this. Um, I sent you guys a, a screenshot of a friend of a friend who um, posted a, a, a pouting selfie in the back of an Uber in New York City with a Yemeni flag saying, I support the Houthis, which uh, she clearly doesn't know what's going on in Yemen. There's a couple of uh, governments in Yemen you can choose to support. She chose that one. Um, I don't even know where to begin with these people. Um, the violation of international law, which is my favorite bit, um, because of course the Houthis, by boarding ships that literally have nothing to do with Israel, um, that is not a violation of international law. And she says, you know, they're they're not doing anything. This is what Brianna Joy Gray said. It's it's a no one's been hurt. You do understand that because American ships there, they've been shooting down rockets that are being fired from Yemen towards Israel. Yeah. And that's fine, apparently, with these people. Totally fine to do that because the Israelis are committing a genocide. By the way, also 25,000 people, and it gets tedious and boring to, to point out that these are Hamas figures, but of course they don't disaggregate the number of fighters. So apparently, according to her, no Hamas fighter, no militant, which is um, the, the word that we we're supposed to use, has been killed. Let's say there's 8,000 or 9,000 of them. She's including those in the total. Right, because they're killing people. This genocide—it's not a genocide. Of course, it's not a genocide. We saw a video today of a brutal firefight within a house, and I think it was in Khan Yunus that people were—you know—Israelis were being shot, and they were just b battling with Hamas, uh, quote unquote, militants. Which, if you didn't want to um, worry about civilian casualties, you would just blow that place up. You would not be fighting you know, a hand-to-hand -hand battle in that place um, where, you know, and, and of course, yesterday, 20-odd uh, IDF soldiers were killed within a building that was blown up by Hamas and it was collapsed on, on top of them. But this thing that the West is always the malignant party is, I, I mean, it's so astonishingly stupid of a woman who is such a fucking dingbat that clearly, you can go back, I'm sure she's never mentioned Yemen once in her life, an expert in the country knows nothing, knows nothing about the Houthis who have committed insane war crimes against their own people, have brought back slavery <laughs> in their country, um, which she says, well, you know, it's like they're aggrieved. And this is the thing that I always said in the past was the free breakfast thing that I always mention because it's, you know, pulled from the Black Panthers, that they could kill cops. They could kill people they thought were informants. They could kill people that they were thought were members of the capitalist class. And then give you a bowl of Cheerios the next day and everything will be fine. The version of that here is they're doing this for the Palestinians. And therefore, there is a righteousness to that cause because she's determined that they can take over ships. They can disrupt a global trade. They can hurt people on those ships, put guns in their faces. I'm sure she would be happy if somebody came into her house and for the right cause, shoved an AK-47 into her, her face or her father's face or her kid's face, whatever, because it's fine. You know, it's, they're, they're justified in doing this. And at the end of this, say, well, you got to understand where they're coming from. Did the Houthis, I don't think she would understand this or know anything about this, did the Houthis say a fucking thing when Assad was killing hundreds of thousands of his own people in Syria, very close to where the Houthis are? Not too far away. Did she say anything? No. Was she on television on October 7th saying, you know, I understand the response that they're going to give because, you know, as she says, you know, a response begets a response. Except for if it's October 7th and you're Israel and 1,200 people are killed in the Gaza envelope, which is a pretty small population. Um, that's a lot of people, by the way. 
in a, in a, in a sort of very, very small uh, uh, population of those people who are living there. One thing I'm that- worried, I worried about this stuff just because it's so common. And I saw this a number of people like you go girl to support, like I saw some friends of mine's Instagrams, you go girl supporting this knuckle dragging, hateful Islamist movement that if they had the chance seeing that girl with her boobs, hang, would, would put a trash bag over <laughs> her and put her in jail and torture her as they've tortured so many other people in Yemen. But the Saudis back the other government, American Saudis, like, yes, but the Houthis are entirely funded by Iran. They're a proxy of Iran. They're doing Iran's bidding. Iran yesterday executed a young man who was in his mid-20s, who had protested against the government, and they said they were going to execute him. They did. And there's a video online, and this dumb fucking moron could go and watch it. It's the boy's family finding out that he's been executed at oh, Evian prison, prison. That is, oh, uh, you know, the Saudis are behind the other government in, this is how she's thinking about it, the other government in Yemen. But who's supporting the Houthis? Do you think they're manufacturing these weapons on their own? They're wearing flip-flops. Yeah, yeah. No, they're just a cutout for one of the most hideous regimes of the past 50 years, and that's the Iranian regime. I think there's a moral argument, like, deficit that's going on. Um, I was surprised. Disgust uh, me. Uh, frankly, uh, by seeing something that I should have noticed on October 7th, which is that Norman Finkelstein... Um, who uh, Michael has done great impersonations of in the past, <laughs> on October 7th said, and I don't have the quote in front of me. He's but, probably in the Houthi parliament now. <laughs> but um, that he felt like elated. It was yeah, basically yeah. The, the, the same kind of language yeah. that Christopher Hitchens used and was criticized for. And I think somewhat rightly yeah. Yeah. on 9-11, he used that, that like, I'm elated because I know who my enemies are and I will go against them. That's not what the Norman Finkelstein was. Is like no, he they, never gave any, uh, you know, amount in any way, any tiny half a, a syllable of concern for the people who were killed on October seventh. That's not what Hitchens did. Yes, uh, Finkelstein said that like this was an act of righteous re- resistance. Yeah. It's not his exact quote. His, his quote is worse. It's worse. Yeah. Like mm. like much fucking uh, worse. Um, and. When you look at that and you look at this, I realize that we're in this moment where there's a sizable minority um, who have convinced themselves of by any means necessary. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, it's larger than I thought. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're not willing to do any of this stuff themselves. I mean, it's it's a video game to them. They want uh, by any means necessary for other people to do it. And they don't have to, I mean, you know that if you, if you ever sat any of these people um, who went to Yale or NYU or whatever and are out there, you know, white girls usually with kafias on in front of a family who has two young boys in a tunnel somewhere in Gaza and allowed them to speak to them about what that is like, what it's like to go through that. The instant response is, well, do you know what it's like to live in Gaza? I do. And that's a really horrible and hideous thing. I mean, I also do know that there are Arabs on the Supreme Court. There are Arabs that fight in the IDF. There are Arabs that live in a contentious way in East Jerusalem within, within the borders of Israel. And that's uh, a difficulty. And a lot of times I don't like how the Israelis react. You cannot be a Jew and live anywhere in um, Gaza. It would not work out for you. 
And uh, so we have a slightly different thing considering the, the leadership in Gaza, Hamas. Very open about we don't give anybody bomb shelters. We enjoy the number of people who die because it's great for our cause. I don't think that if you ever heard an American president saying that, of course, they hold these people in totally different moral planes. If an American president said something like that, they would be climbing over the fence at the White House trying to eject them by force. But when somebody else says that, well, it's the soft bigotry of low expectations. But what would you expect from them? They've been beaten up and they've been horribly treated. They've been refugees for 75 years. Uh, yeah, of course, because, you know, it's being a refugee is a genetic condition. And so everybody, everybody's been a refugee in that situation. But I, I find this stuff really troubling just because the moral calculation is Chomskyite in its way which is people thinking they're deeply clever by making a, well, I don't, your Amazon package, it's like, you're either a fucking moron or that's just a very flimsy joke. And it's a flimsy joke that doesn't, I mean, you're ignoring, of course, the fact that the Houthis are launching rockets to kill innocent people. Well, they are killing us. Okay, so you want more innocent people killed. All right, so you're, but you're just telling me about escalation. You don't want escalation, but you're actually saying, I approve of escalation when the Houthis are responding to what the IDF is doing in Gaza. So, I mean, beyond the fact that all this conversation about Gaza is very frustrating because these people just saying genocide and it's like, it's like watching Glenn Beck in 2007. It's all, it's at this level of extremism that has been accepted by a certain part of the radical and progressive mainstream. And there is a radical mainstream that, that you can just talk about this stuff as a genocide. It's, it's a roiling ongoing genocide without any definitional conversation of what that is. I mean, 25,000 people, according to Gaza Ministry of Health, let's, let's cleave off, let's say 8,000 of them, five, some people have said 8,000, some people have said 10,000, let's say it's 15,000 people in a war that is now two and a half months uh, in fighting, right? Uh, that's a lot of people, and that's, you know, does one even have to throw it clear and say that's a horrible tragedy? Every war when innocent people are being killed is a tragedy. I'm not a moral monster and think that it's okay. Um, 15,000 people. And then you look up to Syria where this fucking woman said nothing. 500,000 people killed in Syria. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What's happening to Kurds in Iraq? What's happening to between Shia and Sunni in Iraq? What's happening in Yemen's own civil war? Do you talk about that? Of course not. There's no Palestinian, there's no Jews involved. There's no Israelis involved, but it just doesn't matter to you because you can plug that in and get go viral on on Instagram and TikTok by doing this moral performance, which if held up to the even the slightest scrutiny, falls apart and is an embarrassment to yourself. I don't know why people think that this is interesting. Like, oh yeah, because those this is the thing. Well, you did this. It's like it, it collapses everything to one death is one death, right? Is that true? You know, is a is a person who is killed in quote-unquote, friendly fire, collateral damage, the same of those that are pushed into a gas chamber and the door is locked behind them? I don't think so. And I think most people don't think so. But what you do when you do this kind of moral calculation is it's all the same. It's all the same. Do you believe that on October 8th, without an invasion of the, the country of Israel, there would be 15, 20, 25,000 people dead? Pick a number. I don't think so. And I think that everybody who's serious and a serious person knows that that's not true. So if you, if you, but what you do is you move the goalposts on the Casas Belli, right? Well, they've been treated, so you can keep on moving it. Israel could do nothing in response for 20 years, and they will keep on moving it back to the Nakba 
to the, you know, and I appreciate the ones that are really frank about it and say that I don't believe the country should exist. It should be exterminated as a country. Well, at least you're being frank about it because you're going to go back to 1947, 1948 and say, this was the original sin. This was the original mistake. And it should be destroyed because of that. I admire you for saying that because you're not fucking around. You're telling me you think a country that was validated and created by the United Nations, including with the Soviet Union's um, support, that should be destroyed. It's not a normal thing to say. <laughs> Do people say that about a lot of countries? It's a normal <laughs> thing to say. Pick a United Nations country that should be destroyed. Mm. In, 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 is there another one that they think that that should be the case? No, but I'm... It's a lot of countries I'm, in the I'm world. I'm trying to think about like, what would I want to be destroyed? Austria. No, Austria is no. You love Hitler. He gave you Hitler. No. Oh shit! That's different. That's different. No, we don't. We don't love Hitler. Just you know, just admire him. Oh god. Do you know? That was a long, long rant. I apologize for that. I apologize. It's just that that thing. He took his little nap and then he like. I'm just. I'm just a little. I don't know. Just a weird night. How about, it's a weird how about night. this? How about this, yeah. Camille? I have, a, I have a suggestion for you. Yeah. I sent you a little cut down of, a, of an episode oh, yeah. of, um, of an episode of The Daily. And by the way, I've been drinking a lot in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> which the last time we showed, we, we played a cut down was from The Daily too. It was the far right, the extreme right, the ultra right <laughs> one. But we had a conversation, for those of you who don't pay, about... Um, in the last paid episode about the pronunciation of Gaza and various other Arabic names that you don't get when people are, say, talking Paris, you know, München. Yeah. You don't say that. Budapest. B- Budapest. Buda and <laughs> But they do this in, in, in you know, and in, in our commenters had a, a bit of a field day with this. And I was catching up on the daily. And guess what? There was an episode about the Houthis. Oh, God. Camille, you want to roll that tape so people understand what we're talking about? This is, this is amazing. And, uh, well, the Houthi's stated motivation has, from the start, been all about, you know, the Palestinians and, and Gaza and sort of forcing Israel to end its siege on Gaza. People coming out in solidarity with the Palestinians, you know, protesting against the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. The U.S. is very careful to try to frame this as having nothing to do with Israel and the war in Gaza. Okay, oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. She forgot. She forgot the fucking script. Let's go, let's, let's wind go that back. back. Let's, let's wind back that back. Because before beginning. she was talking about H against G, H ha. against G. Let's hear it. Apparently, Huzzah. Israel is is uh, ra- uh, waging war. <laughs> 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 this is incredible. Right, let's start this again. But I want you again. to know Focus. we're going to start from the beginning. And this, I want you to know, there's a tone shift because she forgets to do the little routine. Well, the Houthis' stated motivation has, from the start, been all about, you know, the Palestinians and, and Gaza and sort of forcing Israel to end its siege on Gaza. People coming out in solidarity with the Palestinians, you know, protesting against the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. What? The U.S. is very careful to try to frame this as having nothing to do with Israel and the war in Gaza. What? However, one argument that we're hearing pretty consistently from regional American allies like Qatar and Plik that is inflaming tensions across the region. Mm. Mm. That they say is the war in Gaza. Israel and the war in Gaza. 
However, one argument that we're hearing pretty consistently from regional American allies like Qatar and Flick that is inflaming countries across the region, <laughs> and that, they say, is the war in Gaza. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. That's it's, amazing. Authentic New York Times correspondent. You just think you're guttural about everything, right? Amazing. I mean, you got to introduce like Fauci level vocal fry. Yeah, that is on the lower like, register. Yeah, I'm just sitting here, Hot-tah! and that's why I'm talking about hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> oh I mean, yeah. I mean, even Norman Finkelstein doesn't do that. You know, he's uh, he, doesn't say, he just says Gaza. You know, no Hadza Hadza. Is what it is. It's like, why are you trying to confuse your readers? Like, just say fucking Gaza, dude. Like, no one knows what you're talking about. Jeez, right there. It's so funny. It's like, yeah, but I'm not from the region, and I, but I speak the language. So I want to tell you all the time that I speak mm. the language. Do people from Gaza like have a hard G or not? I think that that's how you say it in Arabic or some version of that. I'm sure that Arabic speakers are probably like, that's fucking ridiculous. But I don't. I'm just like, is it transposing the, the G in gente? I, I, I mean, it's like, I loved uh, living in Sweden that so many Swedes didn't ever care. And they didn't try. And there's this one guy named Jon, which is like literally John in Swedish. And he, when I first met him, he had like a guitar in his house. <laughs> <laughs> and Yon was like this insane person. And I said, like, oh, you know, you play guitar. And he's like, yes, like, since I was like young, I was like really interested in Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, who? He's like, Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, he didn't, he didn't do the haza. He didn't say Jimi Hendrix. He just said Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, I got you saying. And then he also talked about the time this trio, the time that he went to New Hersey. New Hersey. <laughs> I love going to like Newark, New Jersey. And, and there's also Swedish people that all, because the CH sound is very funny in Swedish, that they say Chicago instead of Chicago. Chicago. Get the fuck out. Yeah, it's true. So I love that because they're not like trying to be like, let me just try, let me think about this. I think it's Chicago. Like, no, they're just like, this is how I talk. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. It's fine. But Swedes don't understand you when you speak their language in a fucked up way. Because you could go to get a cab in Sweden when I first learned Swedish. And I would say things that I thought were great. I said, they're going to Holman, And uh, the guy would be like, what? And then it ultimately be in English because it was like Swedish guys that were good. And I'd be like, oh yeah. And just in English, like, yeah, we're going to Holman. And I was like, that's what I just said. And I said to people there that you come to New York and you come to America and you get into the cab and there is like some guy who literally just was like airdropped in from Waziristan with like, you know, puffy pants on and a goat in the back. And is literally like, you go Brooklyn. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Brooklyn. I know exactly what you're saying. This is the great advantage of being American is that you are so used to people just like totally butching your language all the time, but you have a broad view of it. And they say, you go Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm going to Brooklyn. No, Queens. No, not Queens. Did you go to the Bronx? Like, yeah, I know sometimes I go to the Bronx. Yeah, I've been in your cab before. But the Swedes are, there's no margin of error in Sweden for that. So anyway, we lost Camille ages ago. No, I'm here, man. Yeah. So Sorry about that rant. I think I just fucking sucked the air out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, it's just, just a, it's just a, a very weird time. It's super yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. We're getting yeah. ready to do 2020 Stone. all over again. Totally. They've got these ongoing conflicts, the mm-hmm. ongoing derangement of lots and lots and lots of people in yep. all directions. Yeah. Um, Especially people in Gaza. 
<laughs> it's just very depressing to imagine that this is this is where we are, you know, fielding candidates for the presidency of the United States. Like these yeah. these are the guys. This is that's, what you get. that's it. Um what a fucking disaster. And I mean, even even the even the backup options, like Nikki Haley is not terribly impressive. <laughs> it's no. just it's no. astonishing. Um, but what's always, what's always been true is that what's great about the United States is not the people who managed to find their a way to get elected to high office, um, yeah. presidency included, um, perhaps presidency, especially, um, do no so, damage. We'll take care of the rest. Yeah. We could right? still, we could still be optimistic about that, but I mean, it's just, it's just been a really weird, bizarre time. And I, I don't know that I think for a very long time, I'd always thought, you know, there's a kind of consensus of like a sane, moderate consensus, people who don't care about politics above all else. Uh, and I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that exists, that's still right? true. I hope that's still true. Um, but certainly amongst like sense. pundit, the pundit class. Just yeah, pundits, pundits, Twitter, like, fuck those people. They're the just journalists in general. It's kind of crazy. We're not pundits. <laughs> are we? How I think we kind of are. No, I mean, like, we belong to that class. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't not, see you or I on fucking MSNBC. <laughs> <laughs> if it was five years ago, we would have. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Which is yeah. Weird. I guess it's because we... If you listen to this podcast twice, you're never going to invite us on anything else ever again. No, I don't really? think it's that. Honestly, like I, I think that Bill. people actually don't care. Um, but I think that cable news has become a coping mechanism. Yeah, and it's really much less about um, we want to get people on who are talking about different points of view. Um, and so, well, that's true. There was sure there was great utility for people like us in the past yeah. on those places mm. and you mentioned before we were watching it earlier chris hayes um who's a guy who i'm very friendly towards Me too. um yeah. and um his show was friendly for people like us and by that i do not mean whatever our politics are i mean actually that no, our, i've been on the show dozens of times i think probably a dozen times at least at least a dozen times for me too it was a place where like people who were kind of like curious and yeah. whatever open. Mm -hmm. um, but that's no longer the case. I wrote mm -hmm. a, a thing about a year ago when people were like uh, dredging up some stuff from Melissa Harris Perry and like trying to, and there's plenty of things to criticize uh, MHP about over the years. Um, and I wrote a Twitter defense of her show, not of the things that she said that it disagreed with, but the fact that when she said the thing that actually people were disagreeing with in that moment, which is about like, you know, you know, society has uh, a, a role in like monitoring your kids, something mm -hmm. like that. It was like a strong statement that a lot of people on the right hated. Um, she had me on yeah, that week sure. to criticize her yep. about it. Right. That is inconceivable now. And it has nothing to do with my politics and this podcast or anything else. It, it wasn't about winning. It was about you know, having a good debate, making entertainment television. You get mm -hmm. the sense watching these people tonight that they just want to win. And they're really, really put off by the fact that they're not winning. But they are winning in, in a way that, you know, you joked that I was saying it too much tonight. But, you know, these are people that, you know, Rachel Maddow says, 
he's a dictator, incipient dictator, you know, half a dictator, whatever. And that was the warning in her program. She'd always had this woman, this horrible woman from NYU called Ruth Ben Giat or something. She's like a scholar of Mussolini. And she would just, like Tim Snyder, stopped being an academic and started being, um, you know, somebody would go on MSNBC and the sky, say the sky was falling every day. But, you know, it's funny. I don't, she got a contract out of this and I was reading something today and it was not like an ideological thing. It was talking about Rachel Maddow's viewers and how they exploded in 2017, just like through the roof, like crazy. One of, if not the biggest show on cable television at that point. And, you know, if you're talking about how fascism, everyone's talking about fascism, go and try to find, not even Bush, go back to Clinton times, go back to H.W. Bush. There's still, you know, searchable databases and see how frequently people talked about fascism then. And you could say, well, they weren't fascist. Well, I don't think they're fascist now. That's the difference between me and you, if you think that. And the di- one, one kind of, you know, perfect point, illustrative point of this is that there are not too many people in Nazi Germany who were the resistance, the Widerstand, the Jews or otherwise, that in 1933 were doing okay, but 1936 they were making money hand over fist. <laughs> that was not a thing that happened in Nazi Germany. No, you went to either a camp or you were persecuted or you were run out of your job and ultimately left the country. I do not believe that the word that is associated with that, which is fascism, should be so blithely deployed by people whose response to the Donald Trump years was to make money hand over fist. I just think it's unfair. It's not something that people should say. But, you know, there you go. I'm somebody who argued for the uniqueness of the Holocaust in the last episode. So yes. Sure did. Yeah. did, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as annoying as my rant tonight, though. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. <laughs> I knew myself. Camille I mean, what took am I a talking nap. About? That's not, that's not Camille no, did no, not no. take a nap. I don't know why yeah. you say things like that. People yeah. can't see that I'm here I'm completely they can't present. See that you're and I'm, yeah. I'm, my eyes <laughs> are wide you're open and they I'm paying see. attention. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't help but be slits. affected by the state of the world. It's just a lot going on. Okay, He's just upset about it. It's a lot going on. I'm just... Little concern. I heard the doomsday clock is like 15 seconds past midnight or towards <laughs> midnight or some shit like that. Years. It was just 90 seconds till oh midnight. Oh my God. Mm. Never, we've never been closer to doom. <laughs> Rick Santorum won a primary. Like the doomsday clock is 12 to 1. <laughs> it's like, all right. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how this is working. I'm still an optimist. I interviewed uh, Jerry Brown about the doomsday clock. Oh, really? Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to pull that interview. It was really I fun. I mean, he's always funny. He's fucking great. Like, he's a total psycho, and everything he said was dumb and wrong, but we really got along, and I pushed and, back on him, and he was fun. Yeah, yeah totally fun. I'll see if I can find I actually know I have a copy of that interview somewhere. I don't think it was... There's might an, have aired in some version. An interview that he... I, I would like to say that I did with him, yeah. but he did with me. Yeah, yeah, that's a very... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In, uh, in Boston, I believe it was, um, where it's like, oh, hey, uh, Jerry Brown guy, and it's like, oh, you... Libertarian, you say? Yeah. Um, so you like the this guy, that guy, you know, and like sort of like fucking quizzing me. It's on Reason a website at some point, and I like like he has me on my heels. I'm like Al Gore did that to me. What? Yeah, Al Gore. I think you? I have it because the cameras are probably running. Because when you have somebody who's the vice president or was you know or had run for the presidency and you know almost won, um, they have a bunch of people around them all the time. They have a bunch of handlers. And so when the second they sit down, 
and the sound guy comes and like wires them up, you just start rolling all the cameras because you don't have a ton of time. Yeah. So we started rolling cameras. It was in LA and we rented a restaurant. It had like an outdoor place, had good light and everything. Second we started, there was a crew that was jackhammering outside. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I think my producer went out and paid them to stop. Yeah. And said like, I just give us an hour, go take a lunch break. They're like, no, we can't. It was like some union thing or something. Like, we'll give you money. And all the guys were like, okay. <laughs> but we sat down and Al Gore was like, so you're a libertarian. I'm like, how the fuck did you know? Someone told you? Because I always make sure they don't know who I am before they sit down. They say, yeah. oh, Vice is going to do this interview. And, and some somebody told him who I was. And he did like a huge background on me and then said something about Sweden. And then he said something about Jerry um, Taylor, I guess. The, 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 Holy the, shit. And the Scannon. Back yeah, in the wow. days. Deep cut. Back yeah, in because, the days. Because he was like a climate skeptic who's no longer. Like you flipped. Yeah, yeah. he when flipped. He, and he was light. like, you know, yeah. Jerry Taylor. And I'm like, why is Al Gore talking to me about Jerry Taylor? Oh my God. And so he had like got me like on my heels immediately. And I was like, oh, fucking nice job, buddy. Yeah. That, well done. And then I asked him, a question that he fucking punted on in the stupidest way. About his hand job in Portland? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Talking about Naomi Wolf and his brown colors. No, he, uh, I asked him, you know, go back in your career, your political career, and you can find one thing that you regret. You have to be able to find one thing you regret. It's not human if you don't. And he stopped, and there's so many real things that he could have gone to right there. And he said, <laughs> oh, no. he said sugar subsidies. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And he was like, yeah, you know. Oh, I, uh, playing to the libertarian crowd, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? He's like, I, I, I promised them in Tennessee. And I was like, all right, fine, fuck off. I thought you were going to say, like, you know, Monica was like, you're next. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I, I regretted that. <laughs> that was not what he said. <laughs> it was very unfortunate. Oh, gosh. Uh, I was actually in the room. I was there. Oh, <laughs> Sugar subsidies. Really? That was some blue dress. Yeah. Oh, God. You've got to be able to regret drums for Tipper. Oh, you got to regret Tipper. Ooh. Just in general. <laughs> She's. She's a fucking major regret. She, like, did, like, uh, in the 2000 Democratic uh, National Convention in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. California. Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and thank you for all of the listeners on the paid uh podcast um and on the comments uh subscribers can uh can comment um giving us all the jimmy smith's saturday night live uh footage it's just fantastic i did i'd never seen that before it, yeah it's correct. great <laughs> um but like uh please do uh look up uh tipper gore's performance in 2000 because she was trying to undo her reputation deserve it yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like twisted sister is the worst thing yeah. in 1988 ish yeah. uh against twisted sister and, and fucking luther, luther campbell and prince and she oh hated darling nikki yeah masturbating with a magazine she was like that's not on. she hated fucking jello biafra jello, well, kill, yeah. kill 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 the poor it's like that was not the the song was about <laughs> republicans it was it was like the republicans want to kill the poor and she was like there he wants to kill the poor I'm like no that's not what he's saying nope. you dummy but if you can find this and somebody in the comments will probably find it but i seem to recall this and i'm not i haven't seen it since but like the tom vu thing it kind of popped in my head when we we're talking about tipper gore Spy Magazine had like a comic called The Gore Girls. 
And it was like, cause you know, the daughters were like back in the day, like kind of hot, kinda they were like hot, the hot yeah, daughters. Yeah, yeah. And they had like a, like a superhero type comic called the Gore Girls. Oh boy. And I think that I'm not making that up. So if someone can find that post in the comic, hmm. anyway, so anywho, all right. I don't know who's going to win. Maybe Nikki. <laughs> glad, we, glad we figured it out. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Can I it's say. It's mean, fucking 41 weeks of this shit. God. No, it's not. I mean, it. We don't have no, to talk she, about it but anymore. If she really fucking don't. backs out, it's done. We no, no. What that. I'm saying is like it's 41 weeks of it's Trump versus Biden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah There's yeah. no. Yeah. We like, could just not talk about it. We could just not talk about it until it's after the election in November. Anyway. Yeah, it could be a yeah. refuge. But that. we could just pretend that it's not happening and ignore yeah. it. Yeah, we could do that. We should I cover think we like elections should. in like Botswana. Or something. <laughs> I think <laughs> just that is actually not a, a good idea. idea. <laughs> elections <laughs> anywhere else in the world. Yeah, and we don't know yeah. anything about the candidates. We don't know anything about the places or the issues. Just kind of yeah. yeah. And like, by the, oh my god! Every country, <laughs> and I noticed this in Guyana. About them in real time. Yeah. When uh, when uh, Venezuela was doing that whole Guyana thing, we're gonna we're gonna invade your country. Yeah. And I noticed this about every country that is not America. Every country has like seven political parties that have some iteration of progressive and social. So it's yeah. like the social progressive party, the progressive social party, and it's like that was the case in Guyana, and it's like this is all. So we could just pick those out. And just do like long commentaries. I mean, this woman was on fucking British TV talking about a country she'd never heard of three weeks ago. <laughs> we can do it too. I think this is our remit. Yes. I think so. Our mandate for 2024. Yeah, Every week, some new fucking country we know nothing about. Exactly. And just passionate. Should about. we do a thing where- Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Largest, largest Pakistan. Muslim country in the world. Uh, a big bunch of country too being bombed by the Iranians. Um, we <laughs> should do a thing that we should throw and bombing a, the Iranians. So. It, that too. Um, uh, we should throw a, a, a what do you call it? A dart at a <laughs> map. Right? Yes. Just, that should be our. I think show. We still True. call those maps. True. Yeah, well, mine is on an iPad, them? and if you throw a dart at my iPad, yeah. I'll, I'm going to slap you. We should just do. Um, we could call it a dart episode. <laughs> <laughs> Lawn darts. Algeria. Uh, yeah, yes. Al Jolson. Yeah, um, <laughs> I found the list now of, of uh, elections oh, in no. 2024. This is great. Uh, this is our new him. thing. Yeah, Mozambique. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Hot election there. <laughs> Mozambique. Progressive social party is going to win. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. 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 What else? Who else? And we missed Taiwan. I mean, we could have talked about that, but that's been decided. Yeah. 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 That's been decided. Yeah, freedom won. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so, go. But is there anything else? Anything else in that list we can talk about? Uh, Chad? <laughs> Chad is Love good. Chad. <laughs> Chad, Chad is good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Any country that's named haircut. after like a ooh, bro. Ooh, I got a good one. I got yeah. a good one. Oh, no. yeah. Rwanda. Rwanda. Oh, yeah. Mm, and it's coming yeah. up soon. Dude. Well, July. Yeah. And so we got a little time to run that up. Presidency. <laughs> that's going to yes. be a very, always a very fair election in yes. Rwanda, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start a radio station. <laughs> that's a deep cut yeah no. sorry sorry about that oh my um, gosh but I matt and i believe sh- 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 don't worry about it um matt and i you guys have figured this out already oh, but God. Uh, we recorded last night and matt and i were talking afterwards mm-hmm. and we we're talking about uh fifth column history about like somebody had wrote in and said do you like go back and listen and i was like i've mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. and there, and i know like my opinions have changed on a bunch of things. Of course, that's what happens. But um, no, I haven't gone back and listened. 
And I said to Matt, like, we used to do episodes where we were just like literally bombed. Just so <laughs> like, just so like wasted. This is like as drunk as we've been. And for I just a while. realized that we're doing that again. Well, you guys Because are. the election has drinking. fucking broken us. Yeah. yeah, but you're like you're like in like in Philippines or whatever your time zone is. You're <laughs> yeah. in a different place. We're it's like eleven at night for us, so we can it's, keep going. It, we Chattanooga whiskey. Yeah, right? Chattanooga whiskey. After some Kanzler wine. So yeah, yeah. like, right? If you guys yeah. mail us the stuff. From your distillery, we might mention it. Well, we, we in the past we couldn't, we didn't, we'd have to rent an apartment to to uh, have a place for all this stuff. We couldn't oh. contain it. I mean, but we've stopped doing that, so we didn't. We, a little bit, a little bit. We but, have more booze than we yeah. have drinking. Uh, correct, correct. And so maybe twenty twenty four is the year that we reverse that. We sh- this should be the year of irresponsibility. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm saying this. It's also the year pot- of the uh, presidential election in Namibia, so we should be oh, paying great attention. Great election. <laughs> so yeah, Namibia. That's it. You know what they call that? Been Namibia. There, the real uh, of ris- irresponsibility. <laughs> it's the same in Namibia. Yeah, this year <laughs> drinking I spent a little time podcast. in Namibia, so I could I no, actually have grounds to talk about that. I mean, oh, I was there gosh. for like all of four days, so. Yes. The, like, a decade it's longer ago. than that. Than, it's longer than that woman's been in Yemen. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do the year of your responsibility where we drink in every podcast. And by the way, no condoms. So well, <laughs> no, none. That's yeah. I, with with none. my wife in a room with you right sure. now. I feel like that's yeah. aggressive. You're married. <laughs> oh, didn't know that. That's Stop resisting, dumb. Matt Welch. That's Stop resisting. So stupid. Yeah. All right. All right, well, let's okay. destroy this and dumb podcast. I mean, Iceland is uh presidential election <laughs> this year too. So that could be good. Yeah, I that's just think the there's so many found, presidential elections are, that are worth yeah, found, that are worth page. paying attention to. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. are are more are more worth paying attention to. So what I am thinking is that Bjorn Olofsdotter is going to win <laughs> today. Yes. He works at the gas station but is also prime minister. Yes. Yeah. Like 150,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> listed in the phone book by their it. first names i love it yeah, that's great yeah, yeah. and you know all we right. should just take a couple of trips too i mean croatia el salvador we just do it just do it oh, el salvador would be great yeah man. let's yeah. do that Is good it, let's it, like we'll I, find dude, out i mean their election is like february 4th right? so we need to figure it out real quick and maybe book a ticket just go out there. Maybe we could do the next episode from El Salvador. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Nayib Bukele is the president of El Salvador, and I'm sure he's a listener to this podcast because he's yeah. not. And, um, you know, he's locking everybody up. And people have wrote, written in and be like, what do you think of this? You libertarians. Oh, that's true. And every, t- every time on the subway, I'm like, God, I wish I was in fucking El Salvador. <laughs> and, and half the time it feels like I'm in El Salvador. But... <laughs> <laughs> but like would you say El like, Salvador isn't sending their best is that what you they're said they're not well they're arresting their worst and uh, <laughs> if they didn't arrest them they'd probably be on my car <laughs> but um, but no it's like uh, I, I'm like I'm about civil liberties and then about two minutes into my day in New York I'm like fucking let's get Bukele here let's just lock these <laughs> motherfuckers up I'm so sick of it I texted somebody today mm-hmm. it's my last text of the day was uh, this the number of people shouting outside the win- window is up 300% today. <laughs> that was my last test before I came in here. That sounds like science. It's like fucking Bukele would be like, just arrest them. Why? They're out. They're loud. <laughs> A violation of loudness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're I done. I will buy you with Ethereum and Bitcoin. <laughs> You're too loud. We are finished. We're finished. Bye. Our careers are finished. <laughs> <laughs> so we know of new methods of attack. 
Hard.